Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is the perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender, and there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through.
folks, and thanks again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the Grassroots and Conservative Conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And thank you for coming to this special edition, uh, Friday night uh, edition of Bard's Logic. It's uh, great to have you on. Uh, unfortunately, I will not be here next uh, Wednesday. Uh, looking forward to trying to get some uh, rest and relaxation. Uh, sometimes I would even say uh, deserved <laughs> rest and relaxation. And today we've got uh, some special guests to talk about a myriad of topics tonight. Of course, we will be covering a discussion of what happened this past uh, holiday weekend uh, with Hillary Clinton, both not getting indicted for emails and also shown uh, uh, to not to have uh, – Anything with Benghazi as well. Uh, we're also going to talk about that. We're going to talk about voter fraud uh, in California. Uh, we're also going to talk about, you know, some other events coming up. Uh, also, uh, we want to talk about the uh, voting machines. Uh, definitely, we're also going to talk about something uh, with Karen Schoen, our first guest up uh, on the show. We're also going to have Jim Condit Jr. on, so looking forward to having everybody on. And of course, as well as our panelists, Susan, Kelly, and Cindy. And so, well, let's go ahead and welcome our first guest on tonight, and that is Karen. Thank you very much, Karen, for coming to our special Friday night edition to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I am wonderful, and uh, it is great, and thank you so much for having me back again. It's fabulous to be on the show. I appreciate it, and it's such an important time in our history and what messages we've got to get out there because, as we have just discovered, the truth is not being told. Yeah, no, you know, we're, first let's, of course, go with uh, probably the biggest topic on everyone's mind is uh, get your thoughts and, and some information that you can share with us on, you know, what just happened this past weekend uh, with Comey, with the FBI and, and the emails. I think that I don't know if someone got to him per se, but I thought it was interesting where he said no reasonable prosecutor uh, would indict her. Uh, now, maybe he thinks perhaps because they all know it would be a lost cause to indict her. Uh, because she would be found not guilty, probably no matter what. It's got to be what he meant, because, I mean, in his speech, and by gosh, I want to have that uh, ready for tonight, but it's just been a, it's been a crazy week, unfortunately. Uh, but I'm sure everyone here has, has heard his, uh, his speech. So on the buildup of his speech, you know, we had, uh, you know, it sounded like he, he gave so many reasons to indict her, and then he turned around and didn't. Uh, and so that's, you know, took people by surprise. I'm not really surprised Janet didn't, didn't get off. She always does. Uh, but that, and then, of course, then there's Benghazi when they showed no fault with her, uh, you know, and Benghazi with uh, Trey Jowie. I mean, what happened with him? You know, I mean, did someone get to him or did someone get dirt on him or well, I don't know. To... I mean, there was one time where people were considering him to be, uh, you know, Trump gets elected, Trump's uh, attorney general, but I'm not too sure about that. Uh, of course, I was saying maybe Chris Christie would be better in that position, but uh, what do you think happened, Karen? Well, when something like this happens, I have a wonderful group of researchers, and the first thing that we do is understand that there are no coincidences. Nothing happens at random. Everything is planned, and it's all a lie. So if we understand that, Let's go back and take a look first at the people. So who is John Comey? Well, in the abridged version, um, and going as close forward as we can, he was appointed to the FBI by 
drum roll please, Bill Clinton. So where do you think his allegiances are going to lie? Did he go after high-profile people so that everybody would go rah, rah, rah? Absolutely. But who did he go after? People who were not uh, politically involved with the Clintons. I And then, now let's take a look at Loretta Lynch. And who is Loretta? Well, Loretta Lynch was, drumroll please, appointed by Bill Clinton. So... And when Loretta left public life and went into private life, she became an attorney for the Clinton family. And over the years, she has represented the Clintons in a multitude of cases. So I believe what happened was the wagons were circled, and they probably had a second and a half conversation on babies and grandchildren and blah, blah, blah. And then the word came up, which all Bill had to say was intent. And that was the theme that was carried throughout everything. I believe, as Donald Trump has stated on numerous occasions, the fix is in. Uh, real real quick, a- Karen. Real quick, Karen. I, I apologize. Uh, just uh, there was someone who uh, is, was listening to the show who – uh, pointed out to me that uh, the chat was not open for those of you listening who like the chat. Uh, the I just opened the chat up; it should be uh, open shortly uh, for folks. So if you want to get into the chat, uh, go ahead. I apologize for that, uh, folks, uh, listeners, and of course you, Karen, for interrupting. Uh, go ahead. No, that's um, basically all right. So who is Loretta Lynch? Okay, so she is a member of the Black Caucus. Okay, the, who is the Black Caucus? They are supported and endorsed, as Loretta is, by the Communist Party. They also, as Hillary just have, have received hundreds of millions of dollars from the Gulan organization, which is a group that places erratically Islamic charter schools throughout the country because there are two types of jihad, one from without and one from within. What we really have to understand right now, I think, the most important thing, is that these groups are working together, and that's why you see very little difference. The heads, the people that are pulling the strings, they're pulling the strings on both sides. And they really don't care um, the only one that they cared about uh, in this election would be to defeat Trump because he's the only one. And I tell everybody, we know 100% of what Hillary is like. If Donald Trump does 20% of what he says he's going to do, we'll be so far ahead of the game. It would be amazing. So that's the way I look at it. Um, do I love him? No, it has nothing to do with that. What it has to do with, this is a taking of America by a group of globalists who basically want our stuff, period. That's what this whole thing is all about. This is about the land of America. And if you look at the uh, ISIS and you look at the left, their goal is the same for different reasons. But their goal is exactly the same. 
the jihadis. The friend, want my friend to... is my the friend of my enemy is my friend, right? Yeah, or the enemy exactly. of my friend is my friend, or something like that. Yes, you got it. Because the jihadis want the land so they can continue their caliphate and destroy the West, and the globalists want the land because America is the richest land mass in the world. <laughs> so they want the land, and that's really what this is all about. This is about a taking of the land of the American people, and they are work to me. They are working together. That was very interesting. While all of this was going on, Bill O'Reilly had a very interesting show the other day, and he actually showed Obama in Muslim uh, dress. Now we reported on that a long time ago because. Obama, you have to understand, Bill made the right connection, but for the wrong reason. Obama's father is a Muslim. Obama's family mm-hmm. is a Muslim. But in the Muslim, in the Islamic religion, the religion of the father dictates the religion of right. the children. So they don't really care if Obama goes out today and he says, I'm a Buddhist, or I'm a Jew, or I'm a Christian, or I'm a whatever, because to them he is always a Muslim. And to me, that's why we are in the situation that we are in, because we have an administration. Now, Obama, has he's like the perfect storm. He was raised Muslim, and... He even said so. The most beautiful sound that he hears is the prayer to Mecca on the evening prayer. That was the most beautiful sound. I don't think he ever mentioned anything like that about Christianity. So I'm I'm leaning towards he's a he's a Muslim sympathizer, which to me is okay. I don't Certainly. care if he wants to. That doesn't make any difference. But he gives a pass to the Muslim terrorists by trying to ignore their presence, when in reality, what do they want? Well, they want the land so that they can impose Sharia, which is the best description I have heard about Sharia is that it is the return of the population to the medieval times where the victor enslaved the loser and plundered their stuff. Mm-hmm. That's very familiar, doesn't it? It seems like we're following that same pattern. The, that's the Muslim side of Obama. The Marxist side of Obama says, you can't own any stuff. It all belongs to the state and we'll let you have it if you're a good person, and you do what we say. And that's mm-hmm. basically what Marxism is. There isn't any choices. Even communism gives you a little bit of a wiggle room. Marxism, uh-uh. You don't comply, and you are dead, period. So isn't that kind of similar to what ISIS is doing? They follow a different path, but their goal is the same. Their goal is Mm -hmm. the land, to eliminate the Western culture. What is the Western culture? The Western culture is the ability of the middle class to own property 
so that they can accumulate wealth for themselves and their families. That's what the Western culture is based on. What does a Marxist society want to do? They want to eliminate the middle class because to them, Mm -hmm. the middle class, you cannot own anything because if you own a 1,000-square-foot house and I own a 1,500-square-foot house, that's not fair. So everybody has to own the same thing. And who decides what they own? It's the government. Well, Sharia puts the people in a box and makes them slaves, and Marxism puts the people in a box and makes them slaves. So there's very little difference to what the goal is. Now, they're accomplishing it differently, but there's no difference to what they both want. They both want the land. Period. And when I was a teacher, I used to take a map of the United States and I would look have the kids and we would go through all the states and talk about all the natural resources and the wonderful soil and and the favorable climate and the fact that we could grow everything and if we put a fence around America, we could be self-sufficient. There isn't anything we couldn't grow in America. We have enough oil. We have enough fresh water. We have uh, uh, sand. We have soil. We have enough minerals. We have everything. Okay? So that's a problem. Because in America, the Americans, according to our Constitution, are supposed to own that. Well, the administration, the globalists, that's a no-no. Because if America is a role model of the middle class owning things and they're thriving, then Bangladesh is not going to be happy with their government-issued food stamps. So everybody has to have the same thing. And what has happened over the period of years of the Obama administration is many times they have advanced executive orders by just giving them a new twist. And many times they have written executive orders. And I think right now there's approximately some insane number of regulations that they have put in uh, in the books. Now, why would you ask would they do that if nobody knows what it is? Because on any given day, in any given moment, they could find an infraction and fine you or take something of yours should they so choose. Mm-hmm. So we have a series of takings going on. And by taking, how do they take? Well, they nationalize. They take it out of Mm -hmm. the public's hands, and they put it in the hands of the government under these huge bureaucratic agencies that, as we have seen recently, lie, cheat, and steal from the American people and feel that they are, um, what's a good word to describe that? Well, like Hillary, they are above the law. Mm, definitely, I'm, certainly. I'm the. Uh, that was a perfect expert. example this past weekend. That's right. That's why. That's what I'm saying. This is this is what this is all about. This is a perfect example of 
what is going on. Now, remember back when Obama was first uh, first came in office and he said that he was looking forward to having a civilian army that was just as strong as the American military. Yeah, I remember, remember that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, mm-hmm. what have we got? We have every agency is armed. They have SWAT teams. Even the Board of Education has a SWAT team. Um, every agency has un- incredible power, and every agency has books and books of rules and infractions, so they can do anything they want or so they think because of this power. So what has happened now? Well, in order for Obama to control the law and order, to quote law and order, we have to have multiple incidents like what just happened in Dallas, and I feel really bad for the people. Oh, I think he, yeah, I think he kind of spurred that by saying, you know, oh, well, you know, blacks are being targeted. Of course. Well, this was a setup from the beginning, and this is one of the reasons why history is not taught in school. But if we learned history, you would learn about 1968 and all of the riots. And then what was the result of all of those riots? Well, what do they want? They want gun control. So you have to look at why are they doing this and what do they want in the end. They want gun control. Well, it didn't work last week when the terrorists shot up Orlando because the LGBT community went out and bought guns. So that didn't work. So we had to have something like this so that people will say, oh, my God, assault weapons. We must get rid of assault weapons. Really? This man wanted to go and get an assault weapon. Do you really think he's going to worry about passing a background check when there are so many (laughs) guns? We got it one way or the other. That's right. And by the way, um, one of the terrorist organizations left a gun I think, I'm not, don't quote me, but I think it was in Turkey. They picked up a gun and checked the serial number, and guess where it came from? Fast and Furious. Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all of these things are connected. Now, Loretta, let's go back to her for a minute. and uh, Remember Loretta and what she said about anybody that spoke bad about Islam? What were they going to be? Terrorists. Well, if you are deemed as a terrorist, then you could be subject to anything at any given time, especially if you happen to be living in a community where maybe a riot is going on. So all of these Things are just repeats. Re- what is it? The rewind button. Go back to 1968 mm-hmm. and look at all the riots in all the cities. Now, what do they expect to get from that? Well, remember what Loretta said. All of those right wingers. Well, they they could be terrorists. And Jeb Johnson. Yeah, that's, that's us. <laughs> DHS uh, said, uh, you know, he's more concerned about the right wingers than he is about the Islam. Remember they said that? Now, well, mm-hmm. now you've got to start putting the pieces together. 
Why would they be saying that? Why why are they doing that? Well, what was the next thing Loretta said? She said, oh, we are going to start and work in the Strong Cities Initiative with the United Nations, and they are going to help us to wipe out domestic terrorists. Now, who's on that list? Well, I know I am. <laughs> yeah, I very, I very well may be, and probably many of the callers here, it's, uh, some of our friends <laughs> are on That's here. Right. And we do have Susan again, on the line, uh, and Susan, we will get real, real quick, and we will get you on as well as the others. And when you're ready to chime in, just push the one on the number dial, and uh, I'll get you into the show. Go ahead, Karen. And Susan, we'll get you on shortly. Okay, so now we have all of these agencies make, and Obama making all of these executive orders to give all of these agencies power that they shouldn't normally have, and they begin to nationalize and take over. And once a police department, think about Baltimore, once a police department is, quote, in trouble, and Loretta has to send a crew down to help straighten them out, well, all of a sudden that police department is now under national control, no longer under the control of the people. And if you have a county sheriff and sheriffs that you elect, this is a very important role. Who is that sheriff going to pay attention to? We, the citizens, or the federal government that says, oh, you signed for that equipment, and that means we have the right to come in and tell you what to do. But they don't know that. So now what do we have? We have national nationalized health care that's falling apart and is now so far inferior to what we used to have. We have an energy sector that has been put out of business by the Department of Interior who is under um, a federal indictment for refusing to issue permits and forcing all of the local and independent uh, rigs in the Gulf out of the Gulf. And so now they are now in somebody else's waters instead of benefiting Americans. So they have essentially nationalized our energy. They have nationalized our, um, I said, health care. Common Core took care of nationalization of education. And HUD is now going to take care of nationalization of housing. Because the... Yeah, is that what the affirmatively furthering fair housing rule that yeah. uh, we're going to be discussing later? And that's how it all fits together. Because the goal is always the same thing. Get the land from the people. People can't. We're definitely gonna we're, we're definitely gonna talk more on that. We're gonna get you know we have plenty of time, uh, and then uh, they'll probably even tie in with what uh, we're gonna be talking about uh, with Jim Condi Jr. as well. Uh, we'll be talking about the voting corruption, and that is I think uh, mm-hmm. we'll see by the end of the night all this being tied in. And so as I said, when folks are ready to chime in, just push the one on the number dial, and I'll get you in. If you're out there listening and like to chime in, give us a call at three four seven. Nine four five seven four two eight. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, bring in Susan. And of course, as we always do here on the show, we'll uh, keep your line open uh, for us, Karen. But let's go ahead and welcome Susan. Thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I am fine. Are you in a better mood? 
Let's move on tonight. to the next uh, question. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just wanted to make a quick comment about uh, I think Obama's real father, and he still could have been Muslim. I don't know. He was communist, Frank Marshall Davis. A lot of people think it's the other, but it's Frank Marshall Davis, and World Net Daily exposed that. Um, okay, so uh, Jeremy Percy has written an article, and I think you really need to read it, uh, that um, the FBI Director James Comey has a long history of involvement in Department of Justice actions that ended up favorably to the Clintons. Right. Um, and it, they they really respect Jeremy Corsi. He's the one that runs uh, World Net Daily, or, you know, mm-hmm. puts the stuff out. And um, Berger... Lynch and Cheryl Mills all worked as partners in the Washington law firm, yep. Hogan and Hartson, which yes. prepared tax returns for the Clintons and did patent work for a software firm that played a role in the private email server Hillary Clinton used when she was Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why Cormie yes. announced that despite evidence of extreme negligence by Clinton, they would not refer the criminal charges to Loretta Lynch and the Justice Department. Of course, Loretta, we know, had a secret meeting with the Clintons anyhow. Right. So um, we know there's a lot of connections here. Can uh, I give you another we, thought to chew on? There was no recording or transcript of that meeting, and Hillary never was right. under oath. In addition, Comey was never at any of those meetings. So how can he recommend to a prosecutor of which he was never a prosecutor anything? How can he speak for them? He can't. This whole thing I, I don't stinks is the I think the nicest word I can think of to to describe it. it is. I you Go know, ahead, um the the weird thing is that we don't know what they talked about, of course, but um, on that plane. But I'm sure they were up to no good. Um, oh, but I, Trey I, Gowdy, I am so upset with Trey Gowdy. I'll tell you, what, now he's grilling the FBI director, and I'm like, too little, too late. You're not impressing me now. You wasted time and a year, a couple of years doing this other, and you know what? You didn't have the balls to do. Oh, sorry. Um, oh, that's okay. Do what you were to do. <laughs> we call it that's, how we see it right I, now. Go ahead. You're right. So, well, that's why I called him and I told him, you know, you want her as president. This is six. This is bull. And if you want a pair of brass balls, I'll be glad to mail them to you. Oh, good for you. Yay, Susan. <laughs> I don't care. Have you noticed that all of the grandstanding that they do is always too late? And if they're going to scream and yell and jump up and down about a bill, they always make sure it's going to pass first. Or, you know, yeah. whichever the the thing is. You know, if everybody's screaming, no, don't vote for that, well, they'll make sure that that bill has enough to pass, and then they'll turn around and they'll go, oh, yeah, let's leave the charge. Don't vote for that. They're such liars. <laughs> Every single one of them needs to be voted out of office. Every one of them. Well, I'll tell you what my friend said, because I told her uh, how I gave, gave Craig out hell, and she said, he isn't even commenting on the FBI decision. Had this gone to the grand jury, how many people do you think would have been killed by the Clinton's hired guns or bell, bell, barbell droppers or single 
car crashes into trees. Anyone who goes after them or threatens to testify against them ends up dead. That's right. You're right. Look at what just and, happened. And Paul, this just well, happened. Real quick, and Paul from the uh, from chat and figure, Paul, uh, what's to know if it's my policy uh, to have domestic terrorists on as guests? I just say I, I have a flexible <laughs> policy. I'm presuming uh, that that may that that, pres- uh, that was kind of a tongue-in-cheek uh, question. I appreciate it, Paul. Uh, or serious. It's Let's say we'll see if we've uh, got any more comments. But go ahead, ladies. I just want to. I like to bring in from the chat uh, as well from folks who uh, post in there. Go ahead, ladies. That, uh, that was great, and um, you're right, Susan. This is. This is way beyond what we could even, the normal person could even imagine, but the good news is that it's being exposed. And as far as what went on on that plane, I don't think they had to have much of a conversation. I think, you know, what chimed out afterwards was intent, intent. There was no intent. There was no intent. Excuse me. Somebody you don't have to have intent when it comes 30, to... 30,000 emails certainly intended to trash them. (laughs) Right. And you don't need intent for negligence. Go ahead. And, yes, and then he's, what did he say? Uh, That uh, she was extremely reckless, but he he didn't think that that. Isn't that the definition of negligence? Yeah, (laughs) because there was no intent. You don't have to have intent to be grossly negligent. You just have to be incompetent or evil and be extremely reckless, and she was. What person in their right mind could think that she could have any type of security clearance for anything? How could how could she get security clearance? Well, she, she couldn't. She couldn't even get a staffer of the – she probably could become a staffer of the FBI at this point. Yes, <laughs> probably. It's it's very Again, very Edward sad. Snowden. I'm sorry. I'm sure, he could tell us. I said bring in Edward Snowden. He could tell us what's oh, going on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right, exactly. And they even said, could her emails be read? Uh, yes. Do you think that enemies would have it? Um, yes. And this is a this is a woman that has done this. That I mean, yesterday was the FBI director saying all of those things. How could anybody even take a dollar and donate to her campaign? I just well, and I'm glad you said that. One of my sisters last night who sent me a text, and she said, you know, she you know a lot of times votes Democrat. And, and she was like, uh, I can't. She texted me, I, and I'm not gonna say the dollar amount, but she says, I can't believe I just donated to the to the Donald Trump campaign because <laughs> normally she's you know she's definitely voted for you know many Democrats. I don't know if she voted for Obama the second time. She may have the first time. Uh, however, you know, just that goes to show. I was like, oh, I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, even her, you know, she, she hates Hillary Clinton, which I don't blame her. I, I'm right there with her. She Even more so now than I ever did. What is yes, yes. She treats the American people like they're her dish rags. They're there at her bidding. She could care less about anybody. And people, well, <laughs> it all it has all to do. It has nothing to do with the people. It has to do with the almighty dollar. That's really all this has to do with. 
and she is in the pay for play. Um, and that was even on one of the emails. One of the, the gentlemen wanted to apply for a intelligence position, <clears throat> and he was a donor, and he had no experience, but he really would like that position. Did he think she could do something for him? And she said, yes. Mm-hmm. So the incompetence that is in this government is beyond comprehension, but we have to recognize that it starts local, and we have to pay attention to what's going on in our local communities because between Executive Order 13603, the Clean Water Act, and HUD's new affirmatively furthering fair housing rule, the fix is in, and anybody that, oh, and then in Florida and other states, the Amendment 1 conservation, which I don't think people fully understand either, between all of those, that is the piece of death for property and property rights. And also, communists don't believe in inheritance. So when you die, your property goes to the state. Because if your children get it, that's unfair. How can people, I guess they don't understand. I'm answering my own question. (laughs) How could anybody? And I'm I'm a little bit overdue for this, folks. So let's get, I mentioned them earlier in the beginning of the show. Uh, Let's hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team, grassroots, conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at patriotjournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. And definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network at www.patriotjournalist.com and also the website for our show, and that's www.bardslogicpolitical.com. Uh, check out the different pages there, uh, including the Bloomberg TV, uh, our newsroom, uh, as well as uh, our guest pages and others. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, bring it back uh, to you, ladies. And then uh, soon we'll be uh, bringing in, I'd say at least by the top of the hour, I'd like to bring in our uh, other guest, uh, Jim Cotter Jr., as well as uh, bring in Kelly and others. And so let's go ahead and uh, bring it back to you, ladies. So let's go ahead and hear more about, uh, before we bring in Jim, uh, more about that uh, affirmatively furthering fair housing rule. Well, that's a HUD rule that they made to make sure that the affirmative, um, what is it, what do they call it, the Community Reinvestment Act was really followed. And it's all in the fair housing and the, uh, um, okay, it's all involved in these uh, acts which have been on the books for a long time. That's not the problem. The problem is the interpretation. And what has happened, let me just pull this up on the computer here, 
um, so I can read it to you. But what has happened over time is that people were chugging along, and they were getting along nicely. And for the most part, racism was becoming less and less of an issue as people were working and becoming um, more prosperous and more family, et cetera, et cetera. When we took that away from the people and we created an ungodly uh, culture, people had no pride anymore in ownership. They had no pride in anything that they were doing. So anyway, in order for the Democrats to further their mission and the progressives, I shouldn't even say the Democrats, it's really the progressives, um, Bill Clinton gave us a gift when he was leaving office. And he repealed the Glass-Steagall Act. And the Glass-Steagall Act was the act that said that banks can only be one functional. You can't be a savings and loan and a commercial bank and a this kind of bank and a that kind of bank. You had to be one kind of bank. And mortgages and real estate and insurance were not banking. They were not part of your financial picture. Well, Bill Clinton repealed that. And as he repealed that, he also... Uh, signed the affordable, the um, not affordable care, that's the Obamacare, the um, Community Reinvestment Act. And that was supposed to say that there is supposed to be a certain ratio and mixture of people in communities. And there was grants, there were grants set aside, and those are your SHIP grants, and in Florida, as in many communities, you and I pay these grants in what is called our real estate taxes. And the section that pays for these grants is called dock stamps. So uh, Bill set aside this funding, and therefore people who qualify, and they have to be below a certain income, you would get a grant to be able to move into your home. Well, then on top of that, they made zero down payment. So you were not getting the grant for the equity in the house, which is what it was designed for, but you could use it to fix up the house, which is not what it was designed for. Anyway, Obama and his team decided that things aren't moving fast enough. So they put in place this affirmatively furthering fair housing rule that said that when a community took a grant, now the problem is most of the commissioners don't read the grants, don't understand what's in them, and the towns have a grant writer who tells them. So they are signing this paragraph that says that they will be following the Fair Housing Act and they will be following the rule, the uh, affirmatively furthering fair housing rule. And essentially that gives HUD the authority 
to rezone and replan your community if they don't like the ratio or proportion or they don't like the way you're behaving. They don't like it that you're outspoken. They don't like it, whatever it is. And the way that this works is they have they they want the Section 8 houses to be placed in the affluent communities where there is less than 3% black and 7% Hispanic. And they want the, commu- the cities and the gated communities to be designed so that when a developer goes and builds a gated community and it's a three dollars $500,000 house, they have to put affordable housing in there also. Well, it used to be that you could put the affordable housing where you, the community, thought that was the best place to put it. But no, 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 HUD is going to redesign, re-engineer your community for fairness. Well, how come we don't hear about this, Karen? You know, how come? Well, what HUD does is they get individuals through their training programs. Are you getting the most for your grant, for your uh, whatever stipend you're getting from the government? Would you like to learn how you could own a home? Would you like to take advantage of HUD housing, blah, blah, blah? So they train the people, and then the people say, hmm, well, this has to be equal. So I don't like where I'm living. And as in Baltimore, which just happened, three women sued the city of Baltimore. And they sued the city of Baltimore because they didn't like where their HUD housing was located. And they wanted to be located in the $300,000 community. Now, what happens is rather than go to court and be sued, and the usual suspects are the attorneys, you know, the ACLU and all of the, the usual people, are there, yeah, these people, they have to have fair, fair, fair. Well, Baltimore settled, and they gave these ladies a house, all their taxes, and insurance paid for their lifetime plus $150,000. Imagine if a lot of people did that. Okay, so we don't hear about that. Setting the precedent is what they're doing. That's right. They're setting the precedent exactly. Now, let's take, here's another way the way it works. This one, this was a grant that was a pass-through. So the city of, West, excuse me, Westchester County, the Westchester County uh, in New York took a grant, and it was what was called a pass-through. They had a nonprofit that needed money. There was a government grant available. They took the nonprofit money, and the nonprofit organization did whatever they did. Well, HUD didn't like that. And HUD came in, and you can Google this or YouTube it. There's multiple YouTubes on this. I'm going to give you the short version. HUD didn't like it, and HUD told the county of Westchester, you will build, I think it was 4,000 Section 8 houses. No, 700 Section 8 houses. 
also Westchester sued HUD, and long of the short of it is, of course, Westchester was not fair, so Westchester settled, and Westchester said they will build those houses, and HUD said, oh, no, wait a minute, we didn't like that ruling, uh, you, that's not enough, because we didn't incorporate the entire county of Westchester, and your proportions are way off, so you will have to build 4,000. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. So I'm wondering if they're going to put one in Chappaqua or near Hillary or maybe near George Soros. <laughs> but Seriously, so now Westchester, the people in Westchester, if they lose this case, will have to now foot for this grant that they didn't even get. I think it was $800 million to build these houses, which will triple the tax base. But what's the goal? The goal will be that people will not be able to afford to live in single-family homes, which creates wealth inequality. So they want it rezoned for multiple-family homes. Well, on the other side is, what happens in that community when you put a bunch of um, multifamily Section 8 houses in the middle of the community? How many people move there? How many people want to live there? So what happens is, as what is happening in New Orleans, the Section 8 part is filled up real fast, and the upscale never gets filled. So around the corner, you have people living in the hood, but they can't move into these houses because they were built for the upper level people, upper economic people, who won't move there because the Section 8 people are there. So now the houses are vacant, and we the people are paying for those houses that are vacant, plus we're paying the money to the people to live in their Section 8 houses wherever they are. It's horrible. And this is, this is what this bill is all about. Another story... And this one was really fascinating. It was called uh, Who Owns Dubuque, Iowa? Dubuque, Iowa, obviously, is in Iowa, and it is about 200 miles from Chicago. And Chicago is not an Iowa surprise. Chicago is in Illinois, except where HUD is. Dubuque took a grant, and they wanted to build some houses but I didn't like where the houses were going to be and who the houses were going to service. The houses were going to service the people who lived in Dubuque. Wouldn't you think that that would be a good idea? HUD decided that Dubuque should be a suburb of Chicago, and now the people of Dubuque are paying for the Section 8 houses of the people in Chicago. They can either live in Chicago or they can move to Dubuque. We have to pay attention to what's going on in our local. Community. Well, yeah, they, and yeah, definitely. And you hear all the time, you know. It's, we, you know, of course, we always pay attention, or so we pay attention more uh, to the national po- politics. But it looks like we're, uh, you know, seeing That's things just right happening. there in our backyard. Seeing things in our backyard. So, so what I'm uh, going to do is we're going to 
Yeah, we're going to switch gears in a couple minutes, and then we're going to tie all this thing together in the third hour. Uh, is we're going to go ahead and bring in Jim, and uh, that you talk about the voter fraud in California. We're also going to bring uh, Kelly in as well. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, bring them in at this time, and then uh, we'll bring things back uh, to all this and tie it all together. But let's go ahead and uh, bring in uh, Kelly, and then uh, we've got Jim. So, uh, Kelly, we'll go ahead and get you some intro in, and then uh, – uh, Jim, we're going to be opening up your mic uh, shortly. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah. Um, good evening, folks. Uh, hey, Jim. Um, Karen, Susan, crew. Yeah, California's a Hello. real big mess. Hello. And uh, I want to ask Karen a few questions. I hope you're going to stay on for uh, quite a bit longer. Um, you mentioned a research group. I've. Um, I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you do. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I'd like to talk because I've stumbled across something that's pretty frightening about Hillary Clinton and the whole AG game show. Game show, yes, I said game show with the Attorney General and the Department of mm-hmm. Justice. Johnny come lately, 1870. Anyway, um, but let's go into California a little bit. I guess that's where Robert wants this to go. Um, it looks to me, from a lot of the things I've gathered, uh, it looks to me that Bernie Sanders won California. If it was an honest, true vote count, several indications early. He's having thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming to the rallies, and Hillary Clinton's having a hard time filling up Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, three counties <laughs> have... <laughs> yeah. Um, so far, the um, Bernie Sanders folks have caused an honest vote count, which re- resulted in flipping three counties back to the true winner of Bernie Sanders. That would be Santa Barbara County, San Luis Obispo County, and Glenn County. I won't be surprised if L.A. County and or San Francisco, possibly a couple more, flip back to Bernie. And the chronics are just unbelievable. So watch the vote. We're really a team. You know, Jim Condit, Chris, uh, several people. We've held a number of conference calls on Tuesday nights. And there's going to be actually if not already, uh, petitions submitted to uh, civil grand juries in different counties over the chronic problems there. But let's just kind of go into some of the problems we've come across. Oh, by the way, in talking to a lot of Bernie Sanders fans in these conference calls, um, they don't like Hillary. Can I use the word hate, loathe, despise? They find her repugnant. They are furious yes, with Hillary. Well, um, as they <laughs> should be, but... Yeah. For different reasons, I don't. At this point, you know, as um, as we heard in the beginning, the you know the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So. Well, yeah, and we're you know what's the vote? The, we're... the the problem with Bernie is that the fix was in from the beginning. There was never any way that he was going to win. Um, this is the way the Clinton game is played. Clinton wins. Everybody else loses. Yeah, let me explain how bad the problems are looking at specific counties. For example, oh, let's start with L.A. County. It's got the most voters, I believe. Um, yes, of course, Los Angeles, L.A. County. Um, UCLA, they had a huge drive for the students, and they're like, woohoo, yay, Bernie Sanders, woohoo. And they registered a bunch. They registered on time. So that it, it's a closed state where you have to be in the party to vote for the party, or you have to be a NPP, which is nonpartisan party. An mm-hmm. NP doesn't get to vote for president unless they ask for the ballot of the Democrat 
or libertarian or independent ballots. But we'll get back to the UCLA situation. So a bunch of uh, college kids, they show up to vote. Everything's fine, they thought. And the roster's gone. Oh, we're sorry. We just don't have any rosters here for you. You're not on the roster. Well, I registered. Well, you'll have to do provisional. And so that word provisional, 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 where they put your vote, your ballot in a, a special envelope, and yeah, it's and then for they throw it in the garbage when they leave. Oh, that's a good question. Did they do that? Most likely, but uh, some other uh, precincts. Oh, we're sorry, we just ran out of Democrat ballots. You know, you, you, it just so happened that a lot of young people in these precincts, and, and I know you're going to vote for Bernie Sanders. That's too bad. But you just no more ballots. Um, let's see. We go up to. Uh, Santa Clara County, um, what happened there? The poll workers were trained, okay? And this is one of the poll workers. He's come forward. He's gotten with an attorney. And he said, look, I, just, I saw an election stolen before my very eyes. Well, what mm-hmm. happened? What happened there? Well, NPP, nonpartisan party, um, you're, you're not affiliated with any party. You're, you're the nonparty right. party, okay? So... What happened there was if you want to vote for Democrat, you have to ask for a Democratic ballot. And I talked to my elections clerk, and by law, if you ask for a Democratic ballot, they give you one, period. Or a Libertarian ballot, boom, you get one, or an Independent Party. Even if you want to vote for the Green Party, they have to give it to you. However, your vote for the Green Party presidential candidate will not count. So you can vote for a presidential candidate in the Green Party, like Joe Stein, but it will not count legally, but they still have to give you the ballot. So you have to ask for it when you go to the polls. Well, people were showing up, and they said, I'd like a, a Democrat ballot. They wouldn't give them one. Why? Because in Santa Clara County, there's a special password. The password is Democratic crossover ballot, not crossover Democratic ballot, a Democratic crossover ballot. You have to say an exact phrase. The poll workers were trained by people high up. Um, they must issue the magic password to get the ballot. And so they weren't getting them. In L.A., what they were doing, they had some problems there. People were getting dem- Democratic ballots, a crossover ballot. But what was happening in the collection clerk's office, they caught him. They caught him transferring from the Democratic ballot over to the NPP ballot. The NPP ballot does not have a presidential candidate on it, so they're just wiped away a vote for Bernie Sanders. Um, there's other tricks where people show up. Uh, hey, I registered Democrat before May 23rd, and I want to I want to vote today. Woohoo! And they look in the roster and says, "Oh, you're a Republican." No, I'm not. I don't want to vote for these guys. Well, I'm sorry, our roster says that you're uh, Republican. Well, I want to vote for Bernie Sanders. That uh, won't count. Why? Because you're a Republican. You can't. It's a closed state. What? And oh, but, but here, take take the ballot and vote anyway. And, and so they try write-ins. That doesn't work. Um, what other problems are there? Oh, it's it's ridiculous ad nauseum. Um, and it's so blatant anymore. One of the most obvious blatant. Somebody sent me a photo. And we're, we're connecting to all sorts of people. And this guy named Tim. He's in southern way southern Cal. He sent me a photo by text, and you look and you see, okay, there's some Democratic candidates, and why is that box missing? And why is the person, the candidate's name is Anders? 
not Bernie Sanders, but his name was Anders. At the clerk's office, somebody was taking white out, and this is the old, so obvious. They were taking the white out, and they were crossing out the, the box for Bernie Sanders and Bernie's name and the S and a little bit more, so you can vote for Anders. <laughs> I mean, it's so obvious. Um, Alex Padilla, I've heard, is a Hillary Clinton uh, fan. Um, oh, gosh, people, another trick is that um, you had to ask if you're a mail-in. Okay, there's at the polls and there's mailings. People are mailing in. Uh, they they didn't, they, they got a different party if they were Democrat, likely, because somehow they figured out, especially the youth, um, you got to vote by mail. Oh, you got a Republican ballot or an independent ballot. What? And all sorts of trickery that is absolutely unbelievable. Um, we've been hunting down in some counties. There's ratios, ratios of people, total votes cast, you know, total ballots, just total ballots. People touch the ballot. They voted for this, that, local, U.S. Senate, whoever. They touched the ballot, but they didn't vote for president. A couple counties, one in five, did not vote for president. That would be Siskiyou, where I live, in Shasta County, or, uh, sorry, Trinity. Other counties, one in, like, uh, 19, they touched the ballot, but they didn't vote for president. But why? Where are there missing votes? Why are there missing – what's going on here? Um, and then um, L.A., it looks like, this is some preliminary work, one out of ten. They touched the ballot, but didn't pass a vote for president. San Francisco, one out of nine. Like, what is going on with these missing votes for president? Well, people – some people didn't even know they had to ask for the specific ballot. You know, and if you were did ask, you had to say the magic password. Um, it, it, it's absolutely mind blowing. But the Bernie Sanders folks, they've been at it. They've been doing poll watching and other things, and they're and they're catching it. Uh, there was a lawsuit. I, I don't know what the result was of, of uh, Wednesday's hearing. Or was it Thursday? Um, an attorney was suing the Secretary of State to stay or stop. Stay the certi- the statewide certification of the election, and uh, it, it's, it's just it, it's so blatantly obvious that, that Hillary can't if you can't win cheat. Well, that's been her mo for her entire life. But go take a look at your Secretary of State and see who donates into their campaign, and you'll have your answer as to why you can't get anything done. Well, there you go. Because yeah. You know, this is the, what is it George Soros said? Um, I don't care who counts the votes. I just care who's the Secretary of State. Who's the Secretary? Yep. And he donated heavy duty when Obama was running. So he donates heavy duty. I think he donated $12 million to Black Lives Matter so they could go out and shoot cops. Wow. So there's one thing that we've done, watch the vote as a team effort. You can actually uh, check this out because it's something that can be done for the fall election, the general election. Basically, you go to our website, watchthevoteusa.com, and you look and you see declarations. Click the tab. You go to, and I hope somebody's doing it right now, and you click declaration, it asks you questions. And it's check the box. You know, by your computer, check the box. 
did this happen to you? Did this happen to you based on whatever circumstances? And we are in the process of gathering data. So we've set up a system, if you will, a system that'll be ready for the fall. We kind of launched late, if you will. We got a, we're a little slow on the draw. But with people that have frustrations and whatever's going on, they can uh, we'll, we'll be set up for the fall so that we have check the box declaration get thousands and thousands, if not millions, um, so people can see how much the kingmakers are cheating. Um, and so it's kind of a a first, if you will. I mean, I hope somebody else has done it before. But we'll we'll be ready in in for the general whatever happens there to catch whatever fraud and, and California has a unique civil grand jury system we can go right to the grand jury and it's probably been well, if it wasn't done today, it's gonna to be done on uh, Monday or Tuesday. Uh the civil grand jury is gonna be receiving all these problems that people experienced. Uh even poll watchers who said, Look, I watched the election being stolen for, for, for Clinton. Um so, yeah, it's a system that we can use, and maybe more about that another day, but if you want to click on there, if people are online right now, they can go and they can see, um, click here, click there, click whatever you want, put your name, and it goes into a, um, uh, it's like a, a form that's it's compiled electronically so we know what the problems are and where they're at and what the heck's going on. Um, it, it's kind of like a second way to vote if you will, but it, it's it's just so chronic, it's ridiculous out here in California. And Jim, if Jim Condit's on, I'm sure he can tell us a lot more about the big picture and the media because with exit polls, the media seems to always show up um, where they, they do vote flips and other things. Jim can probably address that a little better. Does it put people to sleep? No, we're nice here. One? I don't think, is Jim there? I'm here. <laughs> is Jim I, there? I enjoyed it. Somebody sent me, what is your website again? Watchthevoteusa.com. It's not my website, it's Watch the Votes uh, National Organization. We were the ones in 2012 that saw the true results of the Iowa caucus that Santorum actually won. But they, you know, the kingmakers said, Romney won Iowa, Romney won. No, we knew ahead of time. And we were instrumental in getting it flipped to the t- true winner, which was Santorum. Uh, so this isn't our first rodeo. Yeah, and it certainly won't be the last. And this is going to be a really drag them out down dirty. They're going to not. They're going to pull out every stop you can imagine. We had a very unique situation in Florida. We had 143% of the people in one county voted. Isn't that nice? Wow. And we had, I think, three or four counties that 125% of the people voted. Um, We had three counties that 98% of the people voted for Obama. So voter fraud in Florida is um, quite uh, rampant. Anything so, so we Karen, can do to stop it anywhere would be wonderful. 
to be honest. So, Karen, you're in Florida, is that right? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm in the Florida so, panhandle, so it's kind of like another world. Oh, okay. So, yeah, what more, what also do you know about election fraud? What else do I know about it? Yeah. I mean, um, I'm, well, other than the fact that dead people vote, <laughs> um, we've seen the voting machines actually uh, change. So when people put in um, Romney, it came out Obama. We had some of yeah. that. Um, Florida, in most of the counties, you fill out a paper, and then that goes through the machine, and the scanner is read, and you don't get the paper back, but you get your, you know, thank you for voting. But what happens in that machine is, of course, they're supposed to tabulate at the end the uh, papers with the vote, and of course. Uh, hundreds of uh, paper ballots get lost, and they, you know, things are left in the back room, and you can't find them. And so, voter fraud is a, a an incredible disaster to this country. Um, but we're behind the eight ball to begin with because the majority of the default voting machines were made in Venezuela under. Um, Chavez, and the software comes out of Spain from a company that's partially owned by George Soros. So how do we think that that's going to ever work good? Wow. Yeah. You know, there's one county in Massachusetts where one out of seven people that were voting were dead. So mm-hmm. that means if you're going to run for office when you're campaigning, you're going to have to spend a day in a, one day a week campaigning in the cemetery. Well, and let's go ahead. Yeah, and at this time, Kelly, let's go ahead and uh, bring in Jim. And then we've got some other callers. Just push the one on your number dial, and we'll get you in as soon as I could get my uh, studio here to start working. There we go. Let's go ahead and uh, bring in Jim. Jim, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, Robert. How are you doing? Uh, long time. Oh, I'm hanging in there. How about you? Yes, yes. Well, it was great seeing you the night at the rally. Yeah, Robert and I ran uh, knew we were each coming, but we, we got to say hi to each other at the end of the Trump rally, which was in uh, Sharonville, which is about 20 minutes north of downtown Cincinnati, on Wednesday night. And uh, yeah, we saw each other there. Uh, I uh, want to second everything that Kelly said, and um, Kelly has started some energy that has resulted in several things. He He's trying to focus the folks of California in time because, you know, the Democratic and Republican conventions are within a week or two now, two, three weeks, uh, on uh, filing some civil grand jury actions on all these things that are these kind of dirty tricks that are being pulled uh, on the people of California with, you know, like even needing a password instead of just being able to say, I want this kind of a ballot. You know, that's ridiculous. Uh, most people are voting once a year. They don't have time to be to learn a lot of little tricky tricks that the uh, latest thing dreamed up by some of these boards of election. And um, I don't I don't think it was mentioned yet that one of the people that came into the calls, the Watch the Vote uh, USA.com conference calls, and we got another one on Tuesday night, was a 
a gal named Judy Frankel, who writes for the Huffington Post, and um, she has gone ahead and written an article. I think she talked back and forth with Kelly a little bit on the Huffington Post. If you search for Judy Judy Frankel, and she's she linked to Watch the Vote. You know, again, we're not just trying to we're not trying to promote Watch the Vote just because we're part of it. We're that's where your your declaration is right now. That's where a declaration is that people can fill out for the grand jury and for lawsuits maybe and for the secretary of state. And if anybody's listening in California, they might consider going there right now. Uh, and then um, uh, she's going to write a second order article. She intends to very shortly on the civil grand jury, which everybody that's coming on the call is like learning from Kelly that this exists, you know, and I, and I, had, I guess we've all heard of the grand jury, but I was, uh, uh, refocused on it a few years ago when, when Kelly brought it forth. And he's the author, of course, of the book, uh, The Hidden Fourth Branch, uh, which I think you can get on Amazon. Right, Kelly? Yeah, it has a, a subtitle. It's called a, well, The Hidden Fourth Branch, A Corrupt Government's Worst Nightmare. Okay. So, so Robert, real quick, I know you got a lot of callers who want to come in. Let me throw in my piece to this puzzle, and that is uh, uh, there's a – we put up a. No, that's fine. Uh, uh, yeah, that's fine. Take, take your time. We got plenty of time. We've got we've got probably about an hour and uh, thirty minutes left. Easy. So go. Just take your time. Okay. No. You know, I, but I'll be as quick as I can be, so others can get in and comment. Uh, the. Um, uh, by the way, I wanted to second what Cindy said before that even if Trump only does twenty or thirty percent of what he's saying will be in a world better than Hillary Clinton, who we know for sure is just going to continue the same old, uh, really, treason and, 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 and attempt to destroy the great principles uh, that have made this country great and made Western civilization great. I mean, with her and Obama, it's almost an all-out war. I mean, I, I'm no fan of W. Bush. I'm no fan of, uh, uh, of McCain or Romney, but, but – um, Hillary and Obama, it is like all-out, blatant communist war. Of course, the communism is for you and me and our children and the middle class. They want to be the billionaires that are ruling, and it's not communism for them. They want us to all be either own very little property or own no property, and that is what a big commune is. Like you're living on the big commune like animals. You don't own anything. You know, you're renting from us. You're you're living on the big commune. Hence, communism. I went through 35 years or 30 years of my adult life without realizing that that's what communism meant, uh, taught by the late great Dr. Paul Rosnowski, an anesthesiologist out of Idaho, taught me a number of things on different fronts. But what I wanted to say was we erected a letter, um, uh, a, a letter on the, or a website uh, about eight months ago, uh, a different website. It's not, it's, 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 the prince, a lot of the talk is like watch the vote, but watch the vote is not guilty. It's charged of anything on it. It's um, called open letter to Donald Trump.com open letter to Donald Trump.com trying to get him to, to raise the issue of the secret computer software that 49 and a half States will count the votes on, on this coming November election night. And in that, in that website is a, is a menu tab called, Election Night Gatekeepers, okay, and that is an, uh, an article 
kind of a long article, not super long, but it's long because it's got a, tons of documentation in it. And then there's a YouTube called Election Night Gatekeepers, if, if, which is 73 minutes. Again, I apologize for the length, but it's we had to we had to get all the information in, which is like 40 years of evidence piling up since they started to bring computers in in the early and mid 1970s. The entire computer vote system was in place by 1988, with the exception of one half of New Hampshire, five counties in New Hampshire. And a few other places, just a few other small towns. So uh, I would urge everyone to look at that because beyond all these retail tricks or tricks at the local level, what is often called voter suppression, beyond those which are played in many parts of the country, the, the overriding problem is that you have 12 entities who are the election night gatekeepers. And I'll say them, say them real quickly and then sum up here and what they do on election night. Those 12 entities are ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, Fox, and a company that they jointly own, which is called National Election Pool. Nobody's ever heard of this. I mean, you know, not one out of a thousand Americans have heard of this because why? Because the networks aren't about to tell you that they're up to their necks in this enforcing the secret software computer counting, okay? And I think I like the phrase that Kelly Mordecai used, the minute they turn your paper ballot into an electronic uh, blip, we got a problem because now you really mm-hmm. can't trace what's happening from then on. So you got those five networks, AP Wire, that's six, and National Election Pool, which used to be called Voter News Service. But that company is, is owned by the five TV networks and uh, Associated Press, AP Wire. And you can find that out by going to Wikipedia or going to the main website for National Election Pool, it's, they don't hide it, but that's never reported, so people don't understand what's happening. Um, well, Jim, uh, tell, 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 tell us about the uh, the planned attack, if you will, when they're going to cheat, when they're going to do an electronic flip, how the uh, <clears throat> this pollster group hits those precincts and does exit polls. Can you go into that in a little bit more detail? Yeah, yeah, and that's a, that's National Election Pool. And let me go into that in just a second. Let me round out the 12 other gatekeepers. The 12 other gatekeepers are the National Democratic Party and the National Republican Party, who have encouraged all 50 Secretary of States and all 3,000 of our 3,141 counties to hire basically one of three mega election software companies, election vendors, billionaire companies, election vendors, which those three, rounding out the 12 gatekeepers, are ESNS, Election System and Software, which according to Ronnie Duggar's article in The Nation, counts 60%, quote-unquote, quote, quote counts 60% of the vote by secret computer program on election night. And then Heart Civic, which we use here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, uh, Dominion, which bought Diebold. Diebold's name got too stinky, so a company called Dominion bought that in Sequoia. Now, those are the 12 election night gatekeepers, and here's how it works, and then I'll mention the exit polls that Kelly just brought up. Um, they, on election night, the uh, supposedly based on exit polls, which are run by national election pool and someone they hire, which I'll get into in a second. On election night, supposedly by exit polls, they will project the winner. So Hillary Clinton was projected way like an hour after the polls closed or maybe even as they were closing in California primary, okay, even though there were 
even by midnight, there were still two and a half million votes uncounted, and Hillary was only up by 400,000 votes according to the computer count. Okay, but so you, you got um, uh, you, what happens is supposedly on the election base of the exit polls, the uh, national election pool NEP owned by the five networks and AP. Remember, they then tell the networks and AP what the results are, and AP and the five TV networks uh, tell those votes to the public. They announce them to the public without any question, never a question about how these re results were arrived at, okay? Uh, one last thing about this. You've all seen in your adult lifetime them come on and say, CBS now projects that we, we can project uh, uh, Mitt Romney wins Maryland or something like that, or George Bush wins Florida. They, you, you remember them doing these projections like they're competing with each other. There's where you have proof of fraud. They all know that they're getting the exact same results, exit poll results, the exact same projections from the exact same company, National Election Poll, owned jointly by them. So there's no competition. It's just a hoax to make people feel like there's this scientific 54 glass scientists with glasses in the background uh, that are really scientifically determining this. Now, so in the old days, up to about 2004, a company named Voter News Service, which now morphed into National Election Poll, same people, same everything, but they did the exit polls themselves. Now, since then, they hire National Election Poll, hires a company called Edison that does the exit polls. And it's a, supposedly on the basis of these exit polls that projections are made. Now, uh, fellows like John Brakey of Arizona, Richard Charnin of, I think he's in Florida, maybe wrong. These guys do tremendous backbreaking work on logarithms and math and all kind of sophisticated calculus, if you will, on the exit polls and how they don't add up. How what the the whatever data they can get their hands on don't add up. Okay, and that is an indicator that something's wrong. Okay, but when you have um, if you can get the real exit polls and, and any peach starts changing throughout the night, what Edison originally has, I, I'm kind of amazed that anybody's been able to get their hands on any of these, of this data, but I believe they've done it by really knowing how to get into websites, looking at the code before they, they change it pretty quickly. I don't totally understand that, but that's the, the, what they're flipping the exit polls according to experts like Brakey and Charney, Shortly after the uh, you know the the polls close, and then that allowed. But see, I, I hope I haven't lost everybody because as long as those three companies are counting 96% of our vote, and there's some sad they create satellite companies. There may be 30 companies, but I suspect if there was an investigation, you would find that the other 27 are actually satellites of the big three, and I think you would find the big three are all the same company behind the scenes too, run by the dark side of military intelligence and the big banks like Goldman Sachs and Fed, or better said, those who are behind those big banks, you know, follow the money. But so what's needed, uh, that's what's happening on election night again. Uh, exit polls, which are being warped soon after the polls, polls close, then go to a national election poll, who then does changes how they want because uh, uh, they know that they're, they're working with these three big companies, these three big secret software companies that count 96% of the vote, and NEP knows whatever they announce, the computers will make come true. 
This isn't to say that every election is messed with. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying every election is messed with. But I'm saying that when there is an insurgent candidate who has so much popularity that they can't stop them legitimately, they can't stop them with bad publicity, they cheat, okay? And, Robert, I'll close up here, but I want to say the solution before we before I close here so people aren't just thinking everything's doom and gloom. Uh, the, so Buchanan, Pat Buchanan in 1996 was trouncing Dole everywhere till we got to the big Super Tuesday states. Then Dole won everything, 80 to 20, 70 to 30. As soon as it went to computers, uh, Buchanan starts losing, Dole wins, okay? Because Buchanan's one of the best communicators for conservatives in the last century, and he was popular. Dole was a dud. we're still trying to get him on the show, and they, Pat, they, they told me a to couple Pat months on? ago to try in a couple, try in a couple months, and Linda has or Lisa has not returned my email. Good. Now is this is this Pat Buchanan? Um, yeah, that's what I'm Pat? trying to get on. I've, I've got... Okay. I well, I will. I don't have a great deal of influence there. I know Pat. I would, I'm not afraid. I mean, we never became friends, or uh, like you would say, other people I can call. But but I, I will try to go through one of my contacts to see to tell, so to recommend this show. Okay, because it would be great if you had him on. Now, um, oh, yeah. the same thing happened with Ron Paul in 2012. Whether Ron Paul actually won or not, the whole thing, I don't know. But he was getting seven, six thousand, eight thousand 8,000 crowds, same as Sanders and Trump 20, and the 000. others. How many? 20. Yeah, some of his were that big. right here. Yeah, yeah, some of his were that big. I, I was trying to be conservative. But, but Ron Paul... Uh, some uh, reporter of a major newspaper in uh, uh, Del, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Iowa, actually said that Ron Paul was getting 300 to 3,000 people at every stop, and the others couldn't fill the foyer of a Pizza Hut. That was a lot of literal quote from one of the newspapers. <laughs> so, at any That's rate, funny. Kelly told a similar. Kelly had a similar Sorry phrase earlier. So, so the point here is that they could. So they cheated with Ron Paul, no question. All in the caucuses, it was just blatant. The governor of Maine, whose name escapes me right now, I think it was a French name. He refused to go to the Republican convention because they cheated the Ron Paul delegates so thoroughly up in Maine. Now, he didn't get any national publicity, of course, for that, but that was a courageous thing he did. And finally, here's Bernie Sanders on the Democratic side, and they have to use blatant, gross vote fraud to put Hillary. Who is the worst? You know, she's the worst candidate in the history of television history. Trump also was in danger of vote fraud, but he was getting twenty, thirty thousand for ten months. I don't think they thought they could pull it off. And Trump probably has some muscle behind him, uh, unlike Paul, Ron Paul, Bernie Sanders, and Pat Buchanan. I think just normal guys. But I think Trump has people in the establishment. I was uh, a fellow named Gary Forbes, uh, Robert, who runs uh, uh, the Trump Magazine online. I, to, uh, I told him I would keep all our communications quiet, but he thanked me by name on Twitter a few weeks ago. He, I should put it up on our website. He, he said, uh, one of my websites, he said, thanks to Jim Conda Jr. for telling us exactly what we needed to know about computer vote fraud, exactly when we needed to know it. And I think they were threatening the secretaries of state with, with suits in Trump's case. Uh, that's what he at least indicated in so many ways. Also, Another source close to the Trump campaign, but not in it, said the, the Trump people are th- thoroughly aware of the problem of secret vote counts. But that's why we want him or Bernie Sanders or somebody with a big microphone 
to um, to to say this say that we and here's the solution we need to say get rid of the computer vote counts and get rid of these three mm-hmm. big companies E E S and S Chaz. Don't you girls miss hanging chairs? <laughs> and, you know, the Collier brothers, who are now deceased, who wrote Vote Scam, The Stealing of America, which came out in 1993, I think, they were talking, and I was talking about hanging Chad in 1985, screaming about it, but the national press didn't pick it up till 2000 when they wanted to switch off of the punch cards onto these even worse uh these even worse uh, computers. So you get rid of ESNS, Heart, and Dominion, and I'd say investigate them. I bet you if we had a real investigation, they'd end up in jail. And and uh, and get rid of them though. And each county changes back to paper ballots. You you count. There's two things about paper ballots. It's not just paper ballots. You have to have paper ballots that are counted at the local neighborhood polling place, right at closing time. Be, be, be by people, by the local citizens, uh, uh, selected from the precinct by random in advance, and they got it. The ballots got to be counted before they leave the public site. Now you do those two things at each precinct and add up the precincts, right? Now you have as close as possible to a uh, to a, 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 a honest, transparent human election as is humanly possible. And furthermore, Robert, you, with the modern technology now, we could spend a pittance compared to what we're spending on a lot of different things like uh, foreign aid we don't need to be doing uh, in many cases. And we could put in, we could build about 60,000 election buildings, have cameras above the scrutineers or the vote counters so that as they laid the ballot, the ballots on the table in a certain designated square, you could stream what they're doing over the internet into a big screen TV in the, the building so that anybody, the one to come and could observe. Yeah, there's your live local... TV right there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That'll help out the, the, the news stations, like, look, you want Absolutely. something to talk about? Who will be glued to those TVs watching those counts come in? They'll be trying to do manual it, counts themselves sitting in front of the TV. Exactly, exactly. And and this is this is um what what could happen if people like you and me and Kelly and Cindy and the other people in the if we were running the system, we would want to count the votes for the problem is the people now running it, they kinda in general, kinda like it like it is or they, they, they are being pressured from above uh, to, or to, to, to keep it or they're going to lose their job, and many of them need their job, you know. And so um, uh, this is the, that's the solution. We could do it through the precinct project, which I won't get into uh, here because that's a whole other subject, but that's how the Democrats and Republican parties could be taken over by normal people, and that would then open up the thing to independent-type candidates and third-party candidates to have a fair shot if they could get the public support. And, okay, Robert, I've done a diatribe here. You'd think I'm in the Senate doing a filibuster, so I'm going to turn it back over to you, okay? <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And we do have Cindy that uh, would like to chime in. And earlier, the person you were referring to as Cindy was actually our guest tonight, Karen. Uh, but this I'm is sorry, Cindy. Oh, sorry, sorry, so sorry. So I, there is a Cindy, though, somewhere <laughs> on the call, isn't there? Yeah, there, there is. Now, and I'm just... I'm just now bringing okay, her in. Okay, sorry, Karen. Uh, thank you very much, Karen, Cindy, for coming I, I to the mean, show. How are you? Yeah, I did mean to say Karen. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Thank you, Karen. And that's Cindy, uh, welcome. How are you tonight? I. Hello? You might need to repeat. Cindy, you I, might need to repeat that. Cindy, I opened up your mic. You st- you there with us, or did you mute your mic on us? Sometimes it takes a moment. She yes, she muted herself. My earbuds. And there she my is. Earbuds must, my earbuds not, must not be working again. Oh great. 
Um, I I apologize profusely for getting here late. I was the one who <laughs> was the one who was passing around nine o'clock, and I totally forgot it was nine o'clock. <laughs> so anyway, well, Jim, it's good to hear from you. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you. Karen, um, I guess always you're still there. Yes, always a pleasure, Cindy. Hi. And thank you. Well, um, you guys have probably talked about a whole lot of stuff that I wanted to talk about, but now I'm sort of out of the, I don't even know where you guys have started and stopped and everything. I had a lot of stuff I wanted to, to bring up. Have you guys talked well, about Well, let's go ahead and hear what's on your mind, Cindy. Well, have you guys talked about the AFFH yet? A little bit. We touched yes, on we did. It. You did? Okay. Well, yeah, so you can go um, ahead and bring it up. You have the floor. Well, you talk about what you want to talk about. Okay. Well, you just let me know if I'm bringing something up that you already covered, okay? Because I can listen to the, um, I can listen to archives and get all that. But um, and I just wanted to say to Jim too, um, Jim, True the Vote is trying to do, you know, a lot of uh, about getting voter fraud stopped, but really what they're doing is just a drop in the bucket compared to what can really go on with these computer programs. Um, so I'm glad to hear that somebody is, um, you know, finding ways to go to the grassroots and get these things changed. We do need to go back to paper ballots, or at least we need to have the computer count and a uh, human count um, to go along with it. Yeah, and no, I agree. I agree with you, but we can do it with humans only. If if you look at what Canada, Canada gets their vote counted in four hours. Now they got only one sixth of the vote that we do, but we, we do just use more people. You use, you know, about eight people per precinct, maybe 12 for four. But, but no, we could do it. The computers are dangerous because no one can see what's happening inside of them. So we're pushing for all human count the guy that made the first uh, – one of the first uh, desktop home computers uh, or personal computers, I should say, is a guy named uh, Adam Osborne. He came out with a book in 1979 named Running Wild, and he said computers are great but never for election counting. That was actually in his book, never for election counting because you can't see what's happening in that computer. But I agree with you. True the Vote does, uh, uh, does a great work, but they are not quite hitting – what needs to be hit to solve the problem. They're picking around the edges, trying to work within the system. But if they talked like I just talked on, uh, on, on Bard's logic here, they would quit getting national publicity because the five TV networks cannot stand to have people understand that they, 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 the TV networks are neck deep in this, uh, in this compu- uh, 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 keeping the options open to warp an election by computer. Absolutely. You're right. Now, that election night gatekeepers is that a a website? I, I didn't really catch no, that. No, no. I got to I got to really pull it off of there and take the Trump stuff out. We did it to Trump eight months ago because we thought he was the most likely to bring this up in public because he was saying so much stuff that no politician has ever said. But he has yeah. not brought it up. I just want to make that. I wish he had. He hasn't. And he's gonna he's gonna risk losing to Hillary if he doesn't bring it up because. Uh, uh, I, well, I, I won't go into that because I'm taking up your time here. But the website is openlettertodonaldtrump.com. That's openlettertodonaldtrump.com. One of the menu tabs is an is election 
night gatekeepers that I'm going to, I'm probably going to put it on a totally different website because I know a lot of the Bernie Sanders people are going there, seeing a picture of Trump and thinking that I'm some kind of a secret Trump propagandist. Now I am, I do want Trump to beat Hillary 100%. I am a Ron Paul and a Buchanan person. I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a Bernie Sanders person because I don't believe in socialism. Okay. Uh, uh, but my, my point is, is that I, I don't want the Trump uh, persona on uh, to, to scare away people because some of these left-wingers, if you will, uh, like uh, the sane progressive is really great. She's a left-winger, but she's really great. Look up sane progressive. I would follow her through the Democratic uh, uh, through the Democratic uh, convention because they're trying to get a hundred of thousand to a million people to the Democratic convention to protest the computer fraud against. Bernie Sanders, I'm I'm 100% for it, you know, uh, for them yeah. doing that. Even though I don't agree with them, probably we could get in the fifth on every other issue, you know. But if they're for, if we're going to have elections and they're for giving us a fair account and 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 doing that from for for everybody, that's what I'm for. So uh, anyway, my my point is simply that uh, I don't know what my point was, Cindy. Please take back uh, take back over. Well, that's okay. The mic is back okay, in so. your hands, Cindy. <laughs> But do you think that there's time? Do you think that there's time to make that kind? I mean, that seems like a huge um, ref, reform to have to get done by November. Would there no, be could, any way? Could, yes. Yeah. Good question, Cindy. It could be done, but it's not going to be done barring a complete change of personnel uh, all over the country. It's not going to happen. So what? 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 What they need to do in Philadelphia? They're going to surround the. Uh, Convention Center, I hear the Bernie delegates are going to try to get it legitimately introduced into the convention, all this election fraud. Uh, I hope they succeed. Uh, but what it, what, so that's why we're begging Trump, begging Trump to say – he needs to say this in his speeches. He needs to hold up the book, Vote Scam the Stealing of America. Like he, you know, he's held up Ann Coulter's book on immigration. He's held up Roger Stone's book on the Clinton's, Clinton's war on women. He needs to hold up the book. Vote scam the steering of stealing of America or black box voting by Bev Harris, and he needs to hold up the HBO. This is maybe more important because people are visual. You know, YouTube passed up Google in searches in 2009. I couldn't believe it then. I can't believe it now. But more more people search YouTube every day than search Google for information. They search YouTube for videos. So he needs to hold up Bev Harris's uh, uh, documentary, which HBO. Uh, put out called uh, Hacking Democracy, and he just say, folks, elections, or this would be Trump should say something like this, and he could come up with a funny way to say it and everything else. Folks, we cannot trust our elections, the secret computer counts. We got to get rid of the secret computer counts and return to paper ballots hand counted by the people at the precinct. If he would just say that line, I, I, and his people would keep threatening the Secretary of State's behind the scenes with lawsuits if they don't like the results, uh, I think that could save the election for Trump. I I I hope he Don't does something like maybe, that. Don't you think maybe, you know, your your um, comment a little while ago that um, if you were to say that uh, for a you know in front of a, a, a Fox News or if you said it on CNN, yeah. they'd laugh you out of the room. Do you think maybe Trump is also worried about that, and so he won't I, say I, anything I, until I, he gets the nomination? I don't know. Maybe he, yeah, maybe he wants to get the nomination. I don't know. I, I don't know. All I know is that they could not uh, block. They can block me out. They can block almost everybody out. They cannot block Trump out. And here's the reason: Trump did something that we were begging Ron Paul 
and Buchanan to do. Of course, Buchanan was running, and the Internet was – that was the first year of the Internet, 1996. So Buchanan wasn't even up to speed on what was happening, as many people weren't. I know for a fact he wasn't up to speed. I don't think he really believed the Internet was going to become that big of a deal. Ron Paul didn't do it, but Trump is using Twitter. And every time the networks back uh, try to attack him, he hits them in the head with a baseball bat, figuratively speaking. So he should keep using Twitter even if he becomes president. But, uh, no, they could not stop Trump. They could try to laugh him out of the room. But I will tell you this, and if, if somehow somebody passes a copy of this pro- program to Trump, you never know what's going to happen these days. Maybe Trump gets Bard, Bard's logic uh, mailed to him by somebody, uh, Robert. But if he, if he would do this, cool. I can tell you. 80 to 90 percent of the people, even those who don't know this issue, instinctively distrust the computer accounts. There was one Gallup poll paid, paid for by a Collins, the Collins family. Their son is a priest who I know, and the dad uh, in the 90s paid for a Gallup poll. I think it was Gallup. Maybe it was, Ras, maybe it was uh, Zogby or Rasmussen. But he paid for a poll. Do you trust computer accounts, or would you like hand paper ballots? Ninety-two percent of the people said they'd like paper ballots and to throw the computers out. So this is a popular issue. Uh, they'll all scream bloody murder. Everybody in the in the country that's that's big, the RNC, the DNC, the the media would split would 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 scream bloody murder if Trump bought this up. But again, the people with behind Trump, and he would have tens of millions of people all across the board, even the left-wingers, grateful that some national figure finally brought it up. And I think if he brought it up, that would checkmate them uh, to putting Hillary in, uh, because then it would be on the table, are these computer counts real or not? And if they put that total dud, super criminal uh, Hillary in, they would realize that they were risking getting their computers thrown out. And uh, that's why I think Trump would would trump them, if you will, if he would bring that up. I don't know what's holding it back, though. I do not know. Well, you know what? When when I have dinner with Trump in a couple of days, I'll I'll tell him about that. (laughs) Are you really having dinner? No. (laughs) That was a joke. I'll tell you what, if, if things go, if, speaking of that, if things go right, I would say about <laughs> Wednesday or Thursday, I might be having dinner with uh, Virgil Good. so uh, keep your fingers with who, crossed. Okay, well, sorry, who, who, Robert, that would be great somebody, if I'm able to do that. But. <laughs> Robert, somebody pressed, somebody pressed a button or something. I didn't hear who you were going to have dinner with. I said, I said things Good. go right, hopefully I'll have dinner with Virgil Good. Uh, he ran in Oh, yeah, good, good. Uh, yeah, he knows yeah. Trump. Yeah, tell him. Please tell him to have him uh, look at Trump. Well, he if he hasn't Trump, done, yeah. Yeah, and he's working for him, at, at least for the Virginia primary. Uh, yeah, if, if Trump would just read uh, – he may have already, but if really? he would read uh, open letter to Donald Trump, uh, which is a little bit – you scroll down the homepage, uh, then he would have everything he needs to know. But we even tell – we even urge him what to say. I even We even put up there a suggested three or four lines in his campaign speech. To bring this out, and but believe me, tens of millions of people would jump for joy if Trump did that, and the media would scream, of course, because they're they're up neck deep in it. But no, the, Trump would win the people over again if he said that. Hey, uh, well, well, I tell you I what, yeah, the, 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 with, well, I tell you, yeah, because I talked to Virgil uh, earlier or later last week, because uh, we're going to be in you know in the D.C. area uh, next week, um, and then okay. about Wednesday or so, we're going to be driving through. Uh, Arlington and, and closer to where he's at, and uh, it's a little bit of a track. It's a four-hour drive, but I think uh, to have dinner with him uh, would be worth it. 
Uh, yeah. So, yeah, he, just, he said, just, yes, he just give me a call uh, if I'm going to be able to make it out that way, and uh, and we'll make some plans. So we, we, at first, we said lunch, but since it's four hours, it'll probably end up, end up being dinner, but hey, <laughs> dinner or lunch doesn't matter. Um, right. So I'm hoping I'll get that uh, that opportunity to do that. And if it does look more that uh, that I'll be able to, uh, you and I would talk off the air, and, and maybe we can uh, discuss what some of our our conversation can be about over a hamburger or fries or whatever we have eaten. That's that's what we had the last Excellent. time we had lunch together. We were, we were at this diner and uh, you know he was coming back from doing uh, the third party debate uh, from Chicago and he was running through Troy, Ohio, and back to Virginia. And I met him up there and you know I met his wife and uh, you know we talked and saw the earth guy. I tell you what, uh, you know, got we we just ate some hamburgers and fries from this this, this diner. It was really cool. Um, yeah, well, that, so that'd we'll, be we'll great, that Robert. That'd be great. And, you know, in this age of social media, any person could be in a position to to flip the whole election in the whole country. You might be the guy if you can get this information to Trump. And same as Kelly, his thing, if people get behind that, that uh, uh, declaration for the California uh, skullduggery, um, and somebody, maybe somebody can get Kelly on the same progressive or uh, redacted tonight, the other comedian that's doing a lot on election fraud. Who knows? Anybody, <laughs> don't give up. Anybody by an email in this age of social media, anybody could, could, could flip the, flip, uh, you know, greatly affect the election. And we might not know to the next world who did it. So everybody keep trucking on and don't, don't give up. Keep going forward. And speaking of that, yeah. that's yeah. a good way to bring in Kelly, and, and this is how we're going to do it real quick, folks. Uh, we are about quarter till uh, finishing up the second hour, believe it or not, uh, but we still do have plenty of time going to the third hour. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and bring Kelly back in, and then I uh, want to bring in, and of course stay on the line uh, too, uh, Jim, because we're going to bring you back in later on as well. Uh, so sure. what we'll do is we'll bring in Kelly, and then we're going to bring it back to uh, our guest, Karen, and then you, Sue. And then uh, Susan, got me calling Sue. And then we yeah. definitely want to hear more from you, Cindy. And then we do have a couple other callers on the line. Just push uh, that one on your number dial uh, if you'd like to get in and join our uh, roundtable discussion we got here. And I do also uh, see some other folks out there, uh, and, those, and also those I do not see. If you'd like to be a part of the show, just give us a call at 347-945-7428 and push that one on your number dial. Uh, when you're ready to get in. That's 347-945-7428. Let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Kelly. Well, yeah, um, I want to discuss some specifics in the trenches here of California. I want to discuss five counties. Um, before I do that, I want to throw out a general principle, if you will, of election fraud, no matter how you do it, you know, electronic or by white out on a ballot. Um, the general principle is simply this. If you're going to commit voter fraud, you don't want to do it in small counties, precincts. Why is that? It's high risk and low reward. High risk because everybody knows everybody in small towns, small counties, and small precincts. There's not much reward. Okay, Where you want to commit the voter fraud is uh, in very large populated counties like Los Angeles County. So you have low risk and high reward. So, for example, uh, <clears throat> the votes cast in the primary are 1.8 million in L.A. County. But we look at Humboldt, all right, Humboldt County, which is the northwest corner there, um, 
they had uh, 25,000 votes uh, ballots cast. And the results were Sanders, 67%. Hillary Clinton, 33%. Hillary Clinton got creamed there. Now, there's another in interesting thing about Humboldt County. They have a voter transparency project where a bunch of locals got together, and they actually scan all the ballots on a, on a private scanner, and they put it in a database so anybody can get that, and they can count the votes themselves. You know, just, you know, page after page after page, you take down a vote. Um, it's an electronic file. It's, it's called the voter transparency. I talked to one of the uh, founders of that movement. That was really cool. So huge whopping, the biggest lead I've seen so far, 67 Sanders to 33 Clinton, but only 25,000 voters. Trinity County, um, 4,488, 64% Sanders, 36% Clinton. Again, Clinton got creamed. So when you start looking for exit polls, some of the best exit polls you can find are small counties. Um, Shasta County, uh, quite a bit bigger, 49,000. It was 54% Sanders, 46% Clinton, 8%. Strong margins still. All right. You look at Siskiyou County, where I'm at, we had a big 16,600 ballots. And, you know, well, anyway, 61% Sanders, 39% Clinton. So these four counties in the North State, we call it the state of Jefferson, but in the North State, Hillary Clinton got creamed. I mean, just creamed. But, you know, you're talking 25, 49,000, 16,000 here. That's nothing compared to L.A. County, 1.8 million, where Clinton got 55% and Sanders got 44. And then you go to San Francisco, which is kind of a medium, 265,000. It was a uh, Clinton 51, Sanders 49. Now, there's some strange things about San Francisco County, which it's possible that that could flip to a 53% Sanders, Hillary Clinton, 46. In L.A. County, if they do the flip and they catch everything, it could be 51-49. How do I know this? Because I've done some mathematics and other things with the um, un uncounted NP votes and other stuff. But in San Francisco, this was kind of freaky. If you go to their website, election clerk, they have a list of NP voters, okay, that voted Democratic, and they put right next to it zero percent. Like what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, NPP voters who voted for a uh, Democratic president. Um, they had a you know a large number, and then they said, oh, zero percent. What is up with that? I mean, there's just there's just weirdness going on, and it, it's going to be it's going to be strange if they certified or not. They're supposed to. The lawsuit might have prevented them. They might have more recounts. They might have something something. Um, but no, Sanders. It is possible that Sanders could still win California, which would make a huge difference in the national convention. So it, there's just some bizarre stuff going on, folks. And we're definitely going to hear more about that. And I see that we are only about nine minutes till the uh, live portion of the show. Now, of course, it's still going to be live into our extended period. Uh, but what it means is that, unfortunately, in the next nine minutes, uh, less now, that once the audio goes out, if you are listening out there and not called in, you will not be able to listen to the rest of the show. 
However, you are welcome, of course, to listen to the archive. Uh, that will be immediately uh, available, not immediately, but it'll take some time, but it will be available after the show so you can listen to the uh, remainder of the show that you're going to miss uh, after here uh, in our extent, what we call our extended period or sometimes lovingly, even though usually it's later, far as logic after dark. And so uh, if you'd like to listen to and, of course, even chime into the extended period, give us a call at 347-945-7428, uh, because if you do not call in the next eight minutes, you will not be able to do that. Again, that number is 347-945-7428. Uh, and also, uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, Jim, about a book uh, perhaps that uh, – Trump could wave and, and talk about is, I think, another good book. It's an older one, but I still think it's uh, relevant, maybe even more so today. And you mentioned uh, Pat Buchanan, and that is, and I would really love to ask him about this book uh, when he uh, comes on to show if we're able to do that, or I should say when we're able to do that. Uh, and that would be his book, The Death of the West. Because uh, I think that's definitely a book for everyone to read as well, especially in light of what we're seeing happen. I think he's made uh, some predictions in this book. Not that he meant to make predictions, uh, but a lot of things he said we're starting to see. And so how we're going to do it is we are going to go ahead and bring Karen back in. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to have Cindy uh, have some questions for her. And so, Cindy, go ahead and uh, ask uh, Karen your questions, and we'll uh, move forward from that. And then we'll uh, bring Susan for her comments and what she's been uh you know, researching as well. And then, of course, as we do here at uh, our roundtable discussion, uh, we'll bring it back uh, to everyone. And if uh, new callers want to come in, uh, just push the one in your number dial, and we get you, we'll get you in as well. There's still plenty of time to, to hear from everybody. Uh, so go ahead, uh, Cindy. Hey, Karen. Um, I, I listened to – I only had time to listen to Tom's um, audio uh, when he had John Anthony on there. It was about a two-hour thing. Um, and I, I wrote some notes on it, some stuff I wanted to, you know, just bring out and point out and ask questions about. Okay. Um, first of all, the the plan to bring subsidized housing into suburban neighborhoods. Um, what I get from this is kind of like the, what the Russians and Chinese did. They'll force us to accept three or four families into one single-family house because uh, – I, I don't see them tearing down the single-family homes. I see them just stuffing them full. Is that what you see, too? Well, in in many cases, they are tearing them down because if you look at what Obama's uh, wonderful thing is with HARP and with um, all of these fabulous programs, they're really forcing people into foreclosure, and they're deteriorating the communities because as the equity drops in the communities, um, a consumer that may have had a house that, you know, their mortgage would be totally upside down, and let's say your roof mm-hmm. leaks, where do you go, what do you do? You can't get anything yeah. fixed, you can't get it done. So unfortunately, you leave the house, the bank refuses to play ball, you get another boarded up house, and then the house next door loses value as well. So yeah. it's a, it is the cycle of that. The danger yeah. is twofold I see and one is the taking of the grant and not understanding what those words mean and Mm -hmm. the other danger is the um, the uh, evening out so to speak 
Um, yeah. It doesn't work. It has never worked anywhere. It's some quality. And it is, you are absolutely right. It is called central planning, and it is based on the old <laughs> Russian city states um, that were run by Soviets. And what are those Soviets today? Those are regional councils. So you have two things happening simultaneously. You're taking a grant and HUD is redesigning your community, and then you have a regional council, not an elected official, who will be managing your utility, managing the water, managing the land, managing everything, so that by the time the consumer is done and your elected official is your elected official, they have no power to do anything. So it's an erosion of the local community because they cannot have borders. You can't have borders. This has to be. And if you listen to Kerry uh, the other day when he was speaking, he in front of um, a graduation class, he said, you'll be the first class and you'll be graduating with borderless society. Well, they're not fooling. They do not want borders because when people have a border, you have an allegiance to something. I'm an American. I have an allegiance to America. America is a defined place. If America has no borders and there's the North American Union, I don't have an allegiance to anything. I have an allegiance to the government because that's where I have to get my stuff from. So they're creating all of that simultaneously. So they have to re-engineer and get the people. And how are they doing it? Two ways. They're re-engineering and redesigning, but they're not doing it as HUD going in and saying, we're going to demand you do this. They're getting individuals to sue the counties and to sue the communities until eventually the county throws in the towel and says, okay, so we won't have one acre per single-family house. We'll have a quarter of an acre. Well, what are you doing when you're taking that quarter of an acre is you're diminishing the acreage, and then you're diminishing the house that can go on the acreage. So if a community needs hmm, X number of $300,000 houses so that they can have a good budget, well, how many $100,000 houses do you need? Mm-hmm. So, again, you're taking, it's taking, you're taking away from uh, what the people have and you're telling them what they can have. Right. Well, it's the last, uh, what Tom mentioned was that it's the last nail in the coffin is the yes. land grab. In other That's words, right. when, when a person, when a, when a, um, when a one world order, a new world order group of people uh, decide they want to destroy the sovereignty of the United States, the sovereignty of each state, the sovereignty of, uh, of local communities, um, the health care, control of the health care, control of banking currency and things like that come first. Have to come first, but the 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 complete um, package and, and it has to be the land grab has to be, happen. And the reason they can get away with it now is because the people are too poor to uprise against it, because they have already taken care of, they have already taken that care of that by collapsing the dollar and, and grabbing a hold of health care. Now we're we're sick and we're we can't take care of ourselves and we have no money. And so now it's easy to grab our land. When you put a person into foreclosure, the bank grabs it, and guess who now has the land? It's the bank. Right. And, and, and then, what the they, then what they will do is they'll sell a block 
to a hedge fund. Right. And then the hedge fund and will come in and they'll demolish, or they'll uh, and then they'll put up um, townhouses or whatever, so that you're getting high density in a small area. And what the the concept is is to push the people inward into the community and get them out of the rural areas because you can't control the people in the rural areas. It's too hard. Right. To and isn't it? Them. And isn't it interesting? that our illustrious James Comey was once the uh, in the banking community um, with his hands meet, uh, ankle de- or elbow deep in those hedge funds. Um, mm-hmm. Well, they all, way, they all come from the same place. They're all connected yeah. to the same people. They all have worked together for years and years and years, and it's very naive of us to think that anything is fair. <laughs> Yeah, and the minute they say, you know, it's like, uh, you know, uh, what was it, um, newspeak. Whatever they say, think the opposite because it is the opposite is what they mean. Yeah, and see, when the Russians and Chinese finally got a hold of the land, what happened? Tens of millions of people starved to death, and well, and that's what they want in the yeah. end because they want to reduce our population. Yes. So mm-hmm. so we we don't have a choice but to fight this and to get the word out. I, my family is constantly either making fun of me or getting mad at me because I spend so much time trying to get the word out and um, Join the crowd. And, getting in, and getting involved um, because they are not anywhere close to where I am as far as activism. Um, they think, you know, oh, there's my crazy mom or my crazy grandma doing that political stuff again. Um, but what they don't understand is that if, some, if people like us don't get busy and if we can't wake the rest of them up, because we can't do it by ourselves, if we can't wake the rest of them up in time, they will be amongst the hundred million, uh, the 10 million people who will die of starvation across this land. Um, yeah, grants are dangled in front of these local governments in order to give get them to implement these agenda 30 uh 2030s in their in their districts and and what is here's the thing though. They always come up with something new. Some somebody finds out what they're up to, they expose it, they get rid of it, and then they have to go back to the drawing board and they have to come up with a new way to implement it's, the program now, it's never a new way. It's never, right. Cindy. It's never a new way. It's just a new name. It's well, always okay. the same. It's always the same yeah. process. It's always the same. They have to create the fear. They have to create the right. victimhood. They have to create diminished self worth. They have to stifle um, creativity. They have to make everybody the same is basically what it is. But while they're doing that, they have to collect your data. And that's what this is really all about because they have to categorize you so that they can fit you in the box that they want you to be in. And right. That's what the that's what the um the health care and the, yes. the the education, um, yes. what is outcome based education? That's what that's all about. Well, so what are now some of the new about, programs? Think about one more, one more thing. Think about this: How many of us now have received in the mail our new credit card with the RFID chip in it? I got, got it. it. 
Yeah, and let me tell you a little, let me, okay. let me now, tell you a little that story. Chip, mm-hmm. That chip is going to eventually interact with all of these agencies that have collected data. So, right. And let me tell you a little story. And this, is, and, me, and this is how they're going to force it. And this yes, is how they're going to force it. I'm going to interject. I don't do it a lot, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell a little story. Uh, because this is a true story and it happened to me. So that's why I'm going to tell it. No. <laughs> no, but seriously, though. So I get this card in the mail, right, with the chip that you're talking about. And I'm like, I don't want this. And this is to my checking account. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, oh. you know, it's my debit card, checking account. So I get it in the mail. And I'm like, eh, I don't want to use this thing. My card's fine. So about eh, two months later, I get to use my card at McDonald's. Dollar thirty something, you know, for like a coffee and a, a sandwich. And they're like, "Oh no, 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 th- th- this won't, this card won't work." I'm like, "What? It's a dollar thirty something. Why don't you tell me this card ain't working?" Oh no, it's not working. So I said, "Okay, well, something's wrong," you know, or with their system, or whatever. Because so I know we had the money in there. And so the next day, same thing. McDonald's get my my coffee, you know, and they're like, "Oh, don't work." And I'm like, "What the hell?" I said, I guess I got to call my bank. I'm I'm pretty livid by now. And so I called the bank. I was like, what the hell? Now, mind you, I didn't get a call. I didn't get an email. I didn't get anything in the mail. They said, oh, yeah, we deactivated your card. I said, you deactivated my, my debit card? Why? Did I do something wrong? They said, no. They said, we sent you that card with the chip two months ago, and it said in the, in the letter, which, to be honest, I didn't read. It may have not even said in the letter, but that's what they said, I I, I think. Like, oh, well, after 60 days of having the card, if you don't activate it, we just deactivate your old one. Mm-hmm. So that you without yeah, even that telling me, me they deactivated my card. I, so I couldn't access my money. I said, so wait a minute. I said, I can't access my money. You turned off my card from no fault of my own, except I didn't activate this new card you gave me that I didn't want in the first place, that you gave me. This is your new card, and you're going to use it, or, and it doesn't connect your card. So I'm like, so of course, if you want to be able to access your 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 money without having to actually go into the bank, then you got to activate this card, or, or or you don't have it, and it's ridiculous. Well, go ahead. That's my story. Are, those chips are going to interact with every single agency, so all of your information is going to be on that chip, and what they're going to be doing is monitoring your behavior and buying patterns. And then as, if we remember our former science star, they are going to nudge you into the behavioral patterns and buying patterns that they want. They don't like something, they won't, you won't have it anymore. And you'll only be able to use that card to purchase the things that they provide to make available. Now think about this. You you have your money, you just said, your money on the card. Somebody heard this uh, conversation. They didn't like it. Your card gets shut off. Now, do you think you'll have this conversation again? Hmm. No. So it's a behavioral modification tool that Obama, through his executive orders, and remember, for all of you who think my legislator was really a good guy, no, they weren't because the House had every opportunity and 60 days to say no to any unconstitutional executive order. They never did anything. So every single legislator is complacent. 
They are part of the problem. They all need to go. It doesn't even matter if Mickey Mouse, (laughs) who's a communist, by the way, um, (laughs) was was part of, you know, somebody to vote for. Don't vote for the same people who are in office. And here's the problem. People go, oh, but my legislator was so good to me. If he was that good to you, then why did he not stop these executive orders? Because they don't want to. And the sad part is we think that I ran for office. Okay, so we think that Karen Schoen going to uh, Tallahassee would have made a change. Well, what I was told is when you get to, I, I didn't win, but a friend of mine did, when you get to Tallahassee, you are told who is your chief of staff. You are told who are, who are the people that work for you. You are told that. So, and you are handed all of these bills and things by someone else who writes them. So you, you as the elected official, have given up more and more and more power because ultimately the communist goal is to have no elected officials. What do they need them for? Wow. So we have all well, of these they, agencies. I don't, I, now, now here's... Um, Kelly's on here, and he is, um, we're always talking about nullification of things. Mm-hmm. And Tom mentioned, or it might, might have been John that mentioned, that the best way to fight these um, these Agenda 21 programs is to pass a local law that con- contradicts yeah. um, one of these laws. For instance, uh, the 2013 Firearms Act was, con- uh, was countered in his district by the Second Amendment Preservation Bill, um, which prohibited the use of money uh, to enforce the state law and got sheriffs to sign on on to it because if you don't have the sheriffs to protect you, you got nothing. And by the way, uh, in case anyone's listening from my county, vote for Dave Brannon. He is the only sheriff, person running for sheriff who has agreed to do that uh, to protect us. Um, from our federal government. Um, but anyway, they basically nullified the law that way. And, um, well, you know, if, if 2,000 counties or, you know, uh, however many counties passed this, these nullification laws, they would get nowhere with them. We correct? have to be engaged, and you are absolutely right. But the, we have to go to these meetings. We have to start going to the meetings and become engaged and ask the questions. Because I, I went to uh, vetting the candidates, and I asked them, uh, all of the county commissioners, um, I asked them, what is the Affirmatively Furthering Fair Housing Act? I don't know. And I, I gave a one-sentence explanation, and I said, and what would you do about it? And the answer was, well, we don't have any power to do anything about that. Excuse me? Excuse me? That's the problem. They have no idea that they have the power to do it. And the state has the power also if we would push our elected officials into doing it because nullification is Amendment 10, unfortunately, um, Amendment 9 and 10. And our state legislators are equally as complicit 
And in some cases, especially in Florida, where we are voted number one in corruption, that should be a clue. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing he mentioned about Florida was that um, we had actually gotten rid of the mandate on conservation easements. Do you know Um, anything about that? Yes, it wasn't the mandate on conservation easements. What it is is uh, Bush, through his partnership with the United Nations, made it mandatory for each county to create a comprehensive plan. And by the way, everybody, go and read your comprehensive plans because there is no place in your comprehensive plan that says protection of private property. And since you won't find it, that's a good amendment or an ordinance to start with. Private property must be protected. You can't come on somebody else's property without a warrant. You know, that should be part of your uh, county, part of your city, part of your ordinances. Anyway, um, he... uh, Real quick, let's. They're not they're, mandatory. Yeah, no. What Governor Scott said was the comprehensive plans are not mandatory, but they are using them anyway. So it doesn't matter whether they're mandatory or they're not mandatory because they got these groups running around to our local commissioners and they belong to the League of Cities or the League of Counties, and they get, you know, for X number of dollars, we'll write your comprehensive plan for you, which is exactly the same as yours, exactly the same as mine. All they did is take out the name and put in the new name. So the people pay for a comprehensive plan. Well, that's, that's the problem, isn't it? Because once yep. you get those programs in, it is, it's like pulling teeth to get them out. Without, without and, and Cindy, at this point, yeah, at this point, because unfortunately, uh, we're, we're kind of running out of time, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> we only got about 40 minutes. We still got a lot to discuss. And I, was, I do want to bring uh, Susan in, and then uh, we're going to bring Kelly and Jim back in. And so let's go ahead and bring things uh, back over to you, Susan, with uh, some of the things uh, you've been working on as well. And then I know Kelly wants to talk more about the Hiller situation. Definitely want to bring uh, Jim in for his comments. So let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Cindy. Hi, right, Cindy. Susan. Ah, Thank you, Susan. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, someone mentioned, I'm going to go way back, um, that uh, Ron Paul didn't use Twitter. Aha, uh-huh. he's older, maybe that's why. But he said outride and outrace and outbike in the Texas heat. Well, let me tell you. So he had something on him. Now, uh, nullification, she mentioned nullification for states. Uh, they don't like nullification, let me tell you, because I did the jury thing, and I used the nullification. I went in there. They don't like you. They don't want you on their jury if you're going to bring up jury nullification. So I don't imagine that anybody likes state nullification either. Along the same line, I'm sure. Um, No, they don't like it, and they don't understand it, and they don't want to buck the system because they're told what to do. When we were lobbying in Florida against Common Core, every legislator that I spoke to said, this is horrible, we know it's awful, it's going to destroy Florida's education, but Jeb said we have to vote for it, so we're going to vote for it. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, We have to vote for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, 
Mitt Romney in that. Ron Paul, that the last, you know, this is from Whiteout. Um, everybody knows that the election of 2012 should have been between Obama and Ron Paul. But the Republican leaders started um, that Mitt Romney was going to be the GOP's nominee. And they lied, they cheated, they stole the nomination for the billionaire. And he himself, and, he, and it says right in here, 22,000 people while Mitt Romney was getting 200. And he often publicly wondered why he was winning when his rallies drew just 200 or so. And um, he quotes in the documentary that he was told by his own staff, in some ways he kind of had to steal the Republican nomination. Our party is Southern, Evangelical, and Populist. You're Northern, you're Mormon, and you're rich. These do not match well with our party. So we know that it happened. And this is a really good article on it. And uh, um, it's just plenty of staff. So um, no doubt they did it to Bernie. I have no doubt they do the same thing as the Republicans did to Ron Paul. We would have had the election in the pocket because I believe Ron Paul could have taken out Obama. There's even a doubt in my mind about it. Hey, Kelly, uh, let's go ahead and bring with us. And I'll tell you what, I've got all kinds of audio clips of, of the reaction of uh, folks who were Ron Paul supporters and, and what their thoughts were uh, in 2012. Uh, we won't play this now just, you know, time constraints, but uh, we may have to revisit those. Uh, let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Kelly. Yeah, I want to discuss the uh, Hillary, Hillary Clinton situation. I find it rather interesting. I was predicting. Oh, oh so that's a good way of bringing things back around as we like uh, we what we want to do. Go ahead. Okay. Well, maybe if I bring it back around too much, your your head will spin. But um, you know, it's like uh, how do you, how many Irishmen does it take to change a light bulb? Two. One to hold the light bulb, the other to drink enough to make the room spin. All right. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm Irish, remember. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. So the Hillary Clinton situation, uh, well, we're not going to recommend that we get it to a grand jury. Oh. I predicted, you know, 60-40 that she would not get indicted. Uh, more likely she would not get indicted than she would. Well, how do you prevent an indictment? You just don't get it to a grand jury. It's that simple. Now, if you know um, the Fifth Amendment, no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on presentment or indictment by a grand jury. So, what does that mean? Um, you're not to be held to account. Justice William Douglas in uh, U.S. versus DiNuzio mentioned that the grand jury is the only accusatory body of the federal government. I mean, those the obvious street crimes because you saw the power of impeachment within Congress. But it's the only accusatory body of the United States. It goes way back in British history, coming to colonies in the Constitution. So no indictment. You're actually protected. You're not to be held to answer. Now, this is the fifth event in American history, big, where a grand jury didn't get involved. For example, let's start with JFK assassination. The acting Attorney General Katzenbach, who later became a attorney for the uh, globalist banksters. Kottenbach came up with the idea with the Warren Commission, no grand jury there. We go to, uh, oh, that's right, Chappaquiddick. Ted Kennedy got away with murder. Why? Grand jury never got the evidence to indict because the judge sealed the evidence. Hmm, 
That's how you can get away with murder. You know, it's be held to account unless under indictment or presentment. All right, so then we go to 9-11, and the Justice Department went to the grand jury and said, hey, we're taking over the investigation. And so, again, number three. The more recent uh, Justice Scalia, where's the grand jury investigation? Where's the autopsy? Well, yep, that's how you cover up murder or a potential murder. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so here we have Hillary right. Clinton, who is facing a potential uh, jail time, same as similar people who have done the same stinking thing that Hillary Clinton did, and they're in jail now, and she's not going to be. What in the world is going on? Okay. Well, let's go look at the United States Attorney Manual. Yes, the United States Attorney Manual. And what is that? I don't know. I mean, if you have a Friday night to spend studying the United States Attorney Manual, how the uh, AUSAs or Attorney for the United <laughs> States of America... How these prosecutors? Yeah, okay. Well, I, I got the double curse and why I can't get a date because, well, what do engineers use for birth control? Their personalities. So, um, you know, what do you do? <laughs> anyway, so what's going on here? Well, don't don't um, self-deprivate yourself, Kelly. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, well. Just denigrate right. or whatever, so, yeah. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> anyway, so what's going on? Why is, this, why is the, the uh, Justice Department not going to go after Hillary Clinton? What is their logic? Well, let's look at the United States Attorney Manual. It's really interesting. Uh, here's part of it. Uh, finally, allowing a court to review a prosecutor's decision to indict or to deny, grant, or revoke leniency prior to indictment would result in an unconstitutional intrusion into the authority given to the executive branch in the Constitution to enforce the laws of the United States. The executive branch has exclusive authority and absolute discretion to decide whether to prosecute a case, U.S. versus Nixon, thus the power to decide whether to bring charges, what violations charge, and when to file those charges belong to the executive branch and the grand jury. See Wait versus United States, uh, this court case, and oh, that's right, United States versus Cox, which is only fifth, applies in the Fifth Circuit, but they threw it in anyway as nationwide. Not okay, so they're kind of deciding. You know, hey, what well, do you know? It's up to us. It's just up to us. I mean, Justice Department was born in 1870. Yeah. Okay. So they're just gonna, you know, no problem here. We're just gonna make up our own rules as we go along, and we're not gonna get things to a grand jury because our friend, I don't want our friend to go to jail. We just can't have that. So we're gonna decide what the grand jury sees and what it does not, with all justification in the United States Attorney Manual. And who wrote the United States Attorney Manual? A bunch of attorneys. Was it ever approved by Congress? Hmm, we'll get to that. So in the United States Attorney Manual it also says to these attorneys, you must recognize that the grand jury is an independent body. And then it contradicts itself and says, Well, but the prosecutor runs the uh prosecution, huh? Which is it? The prosecutor runs the prosecution or the grand jury does. There's a contradiction here. Oh, that's right. The United States Attorney Manual, to my knowledge, has never been approved by Congress. So let's just make up the rules as we go along and have all these wacky justifications that don't necessarily apply if you study them deeply. And so what do we have here? I'm going to tell you in the words of Montgomery Sibley. Okay, this is absolutely stunning. This is uh, Montgomery Sibley. He wrote... Uh, <clears throat> Simply stated by statute rule and case law, the grand jury has been emasculated in what can only be viewed as an absolute coup d'etat upon the grand jury by the federal government. And it's 
actually deceptive statute because they pull in statutes that don't necessarily apply and case law that doesn't necessarily apply. Like U.S. versus Cox only applies in Fifth District, not nationwide. Oh, but it's voting because we're we're in control. We're just not going to get over to grand jury. And so um, this is just absolutely mind blowing. The um, Justice Department decides what does and doesn't get to a grand jury. And oh, they just kind of threw this in, you know. According to our manual, um, the prosecutor, if he doesn't sign an indictment, the indictment is invalid in United States versus Cox. That only applies in the fifth district, not one through four and six through nine. They are perverting so much to justify how to protect their friends from getting indicted or having a presentment made against them. Now, Karen, a question is going to come to you because I've come up with a strategy. By the way, I just happened to write a book about the grand jury and have um, studied it excessively only because I see how the Justice Department um, has tried to take over the grand jury. The case law, case law, case law. Uh, oh, here's one. Hale versus Hensel, 1905 landmark case. The grand jury was not created for the prosecutor or the courts, but for the government and the people. U.S. versus Williams, hey, it's a fourth branch of government. That's a quick paraphrase because Justice Scalia said it doesn't belong to Article 1 2. It doesn't belong to the legislative, executive, or judicial branch. It is a constitutional fixture unto itself. Thank God for Scalia and so many other uh, Frisbee versus U.S. Anyway, where I'm going with this is there is a way to get to a grand jury and they can issue a presentment, First Amendment. No person shall be held to answer for a capital crime unless under presentment or indictment by a grand jury. Presentment is when the grand jury goes out on its own. They don't need the prosecutor's signature. They can tell the prosecutor, shut up, sit down, we'll call you when you, you need you, okay? Um, you, can I interject something here? Have you ever heard of Terry Trussell? you know his case? Oh, yeah, I talked to him, poor guy. Oh, yeah, we've had him on the show. Okay. Oh, well, you're talking about two different things, really because there's a common law grand jury and that we don't have anymore and that's what you're talking about right now what has happened is that this the grand jury was changed and rewritten so that it now falls under the justice department and is answerable to the prosecutor which is why Terry got into trouble because they refused mm-hmm. to recognize the common law grand jury so this is another tool that we have that we should be using, but if people don't know it and understand it, there will be, before it is understood, there will be many political prisoners in America. And people hey, should understand that. Yeah, yeah. And do you, do you have an update on, on Terry? I'm sorry? I haven't heard from... Oh, uh, I, I, yeah, unfortunately, I haven't heard from, from Terry in a while, and I've, I've, I've tried Terry to uh, I, you know, have some responses. Terry was found guilty on five charges. There is no way that he should have been found guilty on any charge. Um, yeah. he, his testimony was right on, and the judge, as was said before, refused to hear uh, and refused to allow Terry to have um, witnesses. So the whole thing was all a big setup to begin with, and he is awaiting sentencing, which I believe is at the end of August. How many years is he facing? Five years per count is 25 years. Oh, my gosh. That's ridiculous. 
That is yes, absolutely is. ridiculous. This is a major tragedy. That's probably why I've but, not heard from them. Yeah, but you're dealing with people that are power is a, is it. That's it. And when you threaten that power, nasty, horrible things happen. And that's what we're facing right now. And what did he do? Um, before, what did Terry do? He yeah. he was asked. He, you know, you get the card in the mail, come and serve on the grand jury. So he served. Okay. On, he served on a grand jury. In the county. And while on the grand jury, um, he found that as a member of the grand jury, what you're supposed to do is seek out any infractions that public officials might be um, having, might be doing. And he was very upset with Common Core, and he felt that uh, there should be a presentment against Common Core because it is a communist program, and that is against the Florida Constitution, by the way. We even have a statute that says that you can't teach communism. So Terry was using, trying to use, I guess, either that statute or another statute to go after the people for the... Um, uh, for the com- uh, for Common Core, and he wrote they put he put together a grand jury, and the prosecutor came in and started charging the grand jury, and when Terry felt that the prosecutor was trying to take over the grand jury, which he was, because the prosecutors believe that the grand jury is supposed to be under their domain, which it isn't. So the prosecutor then had Terry arrested for impersonating an officer of the court when, in fact, Terry, A, was asked to be the officer of the court, and B, was within his rights to have this grand jury. But he's being railroaded. He's going to be made an example of, and this is going to be a very ugly case. Yeah, well, there's more to it than that, but yeah, I, Terry, yeah, I talked to Terry. Is he going is he, is he to be able to do any appeals? Yeah, there's always appeals, you know. I mean, and hopefully we will get a sane person in office who could certainly pardon. But Governor Scott is not of that mindset because the people that are doing this are Governor Scott's people. And on mm. that note, I am going to have to say good night. And it has been wonderful, and thank you so much for having me on. It has been a pleasure. Um, well, Karen, if I have, anybody I have a, has any questions, uh, Cindy, you know how to reach me. Well, I just had one yeah, well, more thing I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, we'll certainly keep us posted on, uh, oh, on, okay. uh, on uh, him. One more question. Well, I know that earlier Jim had said that, um, you know, the, the, the effort to get Trump, to, the open letter to Donald Trump, uh, about the voting thing, mm-hmm. well, this AA, this AFFH actually was pre- presented to Trump um, by that Rob Estorino. He talked about that in that that yeah. audio. Yeah. Uh, t- uh, Don did. Yes. Um, and he actually said that if he were to become president, he would stop the AFFH. So, and yes. and uh, actually, this Rob Estorino is supposed to be able to speak at the GOP convention, but. I don't know if they're going to uh, actually let him do it if they figure out this is what he's going to talk about. Right. <laughs> I agree with you. I don't think they're going to let him do it either. 
Um, however, you are you are correct, and I meant to tell the gentleman that wanted to get in front of Trump. This is what I was told: if you want to get anything in front of him, write a one-page letter. He will only read one page. You can have references. You can have, if you want to send other things, his staffers will read the other things. But if you really want him to read it, he reads the one-page letters. So it has to be direct, short, and to the point, and with what the problem is and what your proposal is as the solution. So that is what was told to me by the group that I work with. Um, I, we have sent him mountains of information, and it filters on to his speeches, which sounds great. So um, he, I do feel that in some instances he does listen. And um, he is also, uh, the good part was that he, that his group was actually creating a group of lay people. You know, they don't want to just talk to academia. And you're correct. The email that I got back after the AFFH was um, we are exploring the BLM and all of these land-grabbing programs. So it is very good news. We can be hopeful, but our challenge is to get him elected, and we have to be able to talk to our liberal and progressive friends to not allow the lying murderer in the White House. And for your children, Cindy, ask them. I tried this with my nieces. Um, I said, would you accept lies from your children? You expect uh, your child to lie to you? Is that what you, that's what you're bringing them up, to lie to you? No, no, we don't accept lies in our family. Well, then how can you accept a role model for your children as a liar? Oh, Karen, that is awesome. I will be using that. (laughs) (laughs) I just had a conversation with my older grandson. He's 14, Mm -hmm. and he is up to snuff. Benny is up to snuff. He actually met Newt Gingrich uh, two times. um, uh, I was so close to meeting him the other night. Well, I met him once, but this would have been the second time. Oh, so close Wednesday night. So he's just really psyched up, and and he totally understands. But he's probably the only one in my family who does. So, well, <laughs> my family doesn't understand. That. My family is don't talk to me if you're going to talk anything that has to do with politics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I said, okay, then I won't tell you that we're going to be facing massive cold, and the government is lying to you. <laughs> about this warm and global warming because all they want to do is control you. And yes. besides, if winter is coming. people die, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> the yes. winter is coming, the dark winter. And uh, if you have not seen John Casey's press release. I uh, have. Yes, very, very important. And anyhow, thank you, guys. This was wonderful. I really appreciate it. It was fabulous being on, and I look forward to coming back again sometime. Thank you, Thanks, Karen. Karen. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll be having you back on. And she mentioned, uh, you know, some things uh, Trump's saying in his speeches, and I just want to play something real quick. Uh, this wasn't at the rally I was at uh, Friday night. I did have an audio uh, with uh, Newt on there that I thought about playing, but I listened to it, but there was just too much background, including from myself. 
uh, <laughs> on there. So I'm just going to keep that as a, as a private archive for me uh, for when he was on there. Uh, but let's go ahead and hear something uh, Trump said uh, about, uh, well, one of our good friends. Or you're going to do want, everything. Why would they want the job? No, no. I'd, I, I want somebody that's going to do a great job and, and has great Okay, but tell me what you want. What, Hillary Clinton what are you looking for? What are you looking for? You want a real strong policy well, guy? I, you always have to start. I mean, I hate to say this, but you always have to start with somebody that's going to be a great president in case something happens, right? Okay, you start. But I want somebody that uh, I can rely on for their judgment. Hillary Clinton has poor judgment. I hope she picks a vice presidential candidate with good, but hopefully it won't matter because she'll lose. But I want somebody with great judgment. I also want somebody that most likely will be in the world of politics because I have all of the business experience and yeah, I have experience business uh, leaders. Yeah, I said Gingrich in is, terms uh, of getting legislation. Right, Gingrich is probably legislation your best bet, you know, because he had. But you see, he's Gingrich, a good man. He's a good man, but you know, he disagrees with you sometimes. I think that's healthy. You know, Gingrich but, came out and hammered you about it. the Mexican judge. Um, I, I think Mex that was a mistake that well, he made. I've been and treated unfairly. Look, I, I, I know, but Gingrich said he's looking I at the big deal. thousands of people that love the course, and I've been treated unfairly. I, right. What can I tell you? All right. But get, what I'm trying to get across is Gingrich is, it has all of the things that I think you're looking for, yet he's his own man. He's going to say what he thinks. Okay. He's not going to pander. I mean, is that okay with That's you? Okay. You want a strong person it's okay. like that. It's all right? It's good. I know. And he's got good judgment. He's a good guy. He's been amazingly helpful. He's okay. been, uh, you know, I watch him on the different shows, including yours, but I'm with him also. He's got he's got very great talents. But yeah, he comes out and endorsed you. Giuliani's endorsed you. Now, we talked weeks ago about you putting together maybe a cabinet before you got the clean. And then uh, he, you know, referred to Newt uh, on Wednesday when we were at the rally, uh, so it was great to hear uh, that. And now he did say that, you know, of course he didn't concede that Newt was going to be the vice presidential pick, uh, but he did say that uh, he's like, I'm not saying who he is, but, you know, if Newt was to be the VP, he'd destroy anybody that, you know, Hillary puts a VP in the debate. Um, and he did say that, you know, whether it be VP or, or what have you, that Newt would have uh, some part in his administration, which, of course, uh, makes me happy. Of course, I'd write, uh, rather see uh, Newt as the VP pick. I guess the second would be chief of staff. But right now, I'm, I'm still hoping and, and still want to get our petition to him for uh, Newt Gingrich to be uh, uh, his running mate. And perhaps that's another conversation uh, I can have with uh, Virgil uh, when, uh, you know, we get to have lunch or, you know, make that happen uh, next week. But let's go ahead and bring it to our uh, next guest, Jim, see if there's any other comments uh, you'd like to make. Uh, because it looks like we've only got about mm, – 10 minutes or so before I have to, probably just 10 minutes, before I do what we call take our final comments uh, for this evening. And then, uh, unfortunately, I have to close things out. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, bring it back in, Jim. Okay. I, um, I, I've i been listening to everyone and, uh, you know, appreciated the comments. I, I don't know that I – I guess if I had to comment on one thing in the last few hours that – is the I guess I want to reiterate the three solutions that are we, we can help us get out of this mess real quickly. One is the precinct system is where you elect your county party leaders, and that's how we change the Democrat and Republican leaders in each county. Then you can restore the honest vote count. It's done at each county. And if anybody is interested in seeing how the precinct system works, 
you can go to networkamerica.org. That's networkamerica.org, and there's a six-minute video there that explains pretty quickly with one of those cartoon hand-drawing things uh, how, the, how that works. But that is how you know people complain, and they got this and they got that. You know, we're in the mess we're in because of 40 years of fixed elections. And why I don't say all elections are fixed, when someone pops their head up who knows what's going on, and the local uh, uh, eyes and ears of the uh, globalists and the ruling elite sees that, they fix the election against them. So we've got 40 years of fixed election. That's why everywhere you turn, you have judges and, and congressmen and, and local officials who, except with rare exceptions, like Jim Traficant, who was on this show before he met his quizzical death, uh, rare exceptions like him and Ron Paul and so forth, you get just horrible results because we haven't had uh, transparent elections for 40 years. Second, uh, of course, the second solution is once you get a good county, you restore the paper ballots counted at the precinct before they leave the sight of the people. Now you're going to get honest results, and they'll quit doing these phony push polls that they do to try to prepare the public for the phony computer results. The last thing I wanted to mention is when we're talking about uh, saving neighborhoods and helping everybody in the country, because we live in an age of plenty. We live in an age of plenty. There's never been a time. Mankind has dreamed of this physical age for all of recorded history. And we had, can wake, make way more goods and energy and everything than we even make. But the money is not being issued properly. So when we talk about who's behind the election scam and who's behind trying to bring this soft communism or Trotskyite communism into our country – uh, we want to. I, I urge people to watch two YouTube videos. One is uh, "The Secret of Oz" by Bill Still. It's about 90 minutes about how money, uh, the, the, the Federal Reserve and so forth, controls our country uh, in so many ways. And then the second one is called "The Money Masters," also by Bill Still. That's about three and a half hours, though. But if someone wants to see what's behind a lot of the push for Trotskyite communism that Karen was talking about, then those are the two videos to watch to get oriented on what's transpired over the last 100 years. Now, the solution to that, and this is what Jim Traficant, the former congressman from Youngstown, Ohio, now deceased in a quizzical tractor accident a month before he was about to launch mm. Project Freedom USA, which was going to be devoted to abolishing the IRS and also to, um, <clears throat> to replacing the Federal Reserve with an honest money system. And that honest money system would uh, would issue money properly. In other words, money should be issued uh, to about equal the goods and services available. Right now, we don't know how the Federal Reserve issues money. They keep it secret. But in, in a good system, you would have transparent money issuing. Notice whenever the bad guys take over, nothing's transparent. But you would have transparent money issuing, scientifically done, against goods and services, and that, let's say it was called the National Monetary Office, it would be audited in, in six different ways so that no one could falsify the figures. And then you would issue money uh, to the people, enough to have in circulation, so we wouldn't have everybody in debt and everybody on the edge of losing their house or whatever is happening with so many people. So that is, um, uh, that is called, uh, we call it American National Credit, if you want to Google it, it has a name that they used in Britain and Australia and Canada that's not good for America. Social credit is what they used. It sounds like you're going to say socialism, but it means 
uh, the credit that each generation should inherit from the last generation, all the inventions and all that. So you can look up social credit. There's an issue called The Money Myth Exploded. There's a book, free, both are free online, called This Age of Plenty. And it really is about the scientific issuing of money so that there's enough money in circulation so that society can operate properly. Right now, the big bankers at the Federal Reserve and the IMF and the Goldman Sachs are skimming all the money off the top, and there's just not enough money in the pockets of the people. This is free enterprise as the founding fathers envisioned that it's not vulture capitalism, which is what Wall Street is. It's not socialism, which is what Bernie Sanders is advocating, which has actually always been a mask of the uh, of the bankers. The socialism and communism are what the bankers want for the common people. They don't want free enterprise as the founding fathers envisioned it. And that is uh, – I've never heard any other economic system, including Austrian economics, any other economic system, teach the people a system on, on how the money should be issued. How should a society in the modern age with all these inventions when we need less and less workers, how should a society issue money to be fair to everyone and to lift everyone? And this – again, it would be free enterprise like the Founding Fathers envisioned, but it's adjusted to mass production and computers and technology, which has only been around for 100 years. So the Founding Fathers couldn't have seen that. So this is like a updating of how to issue money, uh, and I could go on, but I will stop there, Robert. And uh, thank you for uh, uh, giving me a chance to, talk, uh, to, to testify tonight on the several subjects. Well, appreciate it. We'd definitely like to have you on. That see now you piqued my interest in that. So I'd definitely like to have you on the, to talk more about that money system. And we, and speaking of Austrian economics, and making a shameful plug for some of our episodes, uh, we had uh, a gentleman on uh, from the Mises Institute, uh, and they uh, promote the Austrian economics. And we had a fellow from a senior fellow on there uh, on the show. Uh, so if you'd like to look back in the archives, you'll see a show that talks about the Austrian economics of the Mises. And that's actually spelled M-I-S-E-S, but it's pronounced Mises uh, Institute. Uh, so you can check back in our archives uh, to hear that. It's Mark Thornton. Uh, he's a fellow, uh, senior fellow from that institute. And so uh, what we're going to do is it looks like it's time for our closing thoughts. And so each person's got a, eh, about four minutes of that uh, for the closing thoughts for this evening. And so what I'll do is, of course, I'll give the deference to the ladies first. And so first we'll go with you, Susan, and then you, Cindy, and then we'll uh, end up with you, Kelly, and then I will uh, close out the show for this evening. And uh, we'll proceed further. And hopefully, uh, you know, while I'm on vacation, while it is meant to be a, uh, a relaxable uh, event for me, uh, I'm also probably going to do some type of work, and one of those is uh, I, I do want to work with you uh, and, and perhaps get some contacts where I can actually, you know, get Pat Buchanan on the show. I think that would be awesome because uh, I've tried a couple times uh, to get him. I know he's busy, uh, but I would definitely like to maybe during my vacation work on uh, getting him onto the show. So let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Susan. And as I said, after that, Cindy, then Kelly. Go ahead, Susan. As we say here, the mic is yours. Uh, the Hillary non-indictment guts the Freedom of Information Act. It simply guts it. And that is what I will say about that because um, that's important that we have that information. We should have had it on Kennedy and other things, but they hide things, you know. And the other thing I have, 
I when she was talking about that guy that facing the trial is you know, that Florida governor. Yeah, Terry Trussell. We we got him in the archives too. If you want to learn more about him, uh, I know another simple I, plug, but if you want to know more about him, we did have him on the show uh, to talk about his plight. Go ahead. Um, well, let me tell you something. Governor Scott is a rhino. You might think he's good, but I wrote a blog article on the sheriff and the governor. And he went after the sheriff that uh, defended the uh, gentleman with a gun, you know. He got him fired and everything. I guess he's got his job back. That was a year and a half, two years ago I wrote that article. But uh, Governor Scott, he's a constitutional sheriff, obviously. He was protecting the rights. Uh, the guy hadn't done anything wrong, and they, you know, his gun and everything. So I have no respect for Governor Scott. Obviously, he is not going to protect this guy. Uh, I, I, I swear, I, I don't know how people find these rhinos. I really don't. And they, oh, they're so good, they're so conservative. Really? Well, Scott isn't. I mean, there's a lot of them that aren't. So, I right now in conservative clothing. What? I said a rhino in conservative what? clothing. Yes. I said a rhino in conservative is, clothing. Yeah. Right. And that, that's Governor Scott for you. I don't know if contacting that sheriff that wanted his job back or anybody along that line because Marco Rubio won't do anything because he's definitely a rhino. So I don't know what what we have in Florida that would help the guy. Well, maybe Cindy can help out with that since uh, she's in Florida and we can uh, get that from her. Oh, okay. Well, if you can send me some links on it or something, I would like to know more about that. Yeah, I'll look to the archive. Our executive committee chairman is um, pretty connected with Rick Scott, so I can bring that up, but if if the guy's already been, uh, did you say he's already been exonerated? No, he's been convicted. He's sheriff? waiting sentencing in August. Yeah, the sheriff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh the he, sheriff. He oh, I thought you talked about T- Terry yeah. Trussell. I can't uh, remember his name, but uh, oh, okay. You, I'm sorry. I was. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about him still. I, I didn't know you were talking about Terry. And, and the same thing goes, though. Um, we we could probably get some kind of word to him but whether he would listen to us I don't know we have a very uh, we have a county that used to be totally blue we turned it into a totally red county and um, um, if we don't be careful we're going to lose it again and um, part of the reason for that is because people are getting so upset with the way the establishment is um, just going along with all the uh, the democratic establishment so we'll just see how I don't know. He's going to have to start. So I don't, he doesn't get another four years. So it's like we can only do so much with him, you know. Right. I'll have to find that article and send it to you guys. Yeah. About, who's next? Yeah. So keep, yeah. Keep those. Keep those. Yeah. Keep those emails coming. I appreciate it. Well, it looks like uh, we, we, we've got a couple minutes. We've got to get Kelly on here. Uh, so, uh, Kelly, we'll go ahead and uh, have to take, uh, you know, the minutes for the uh, closeout of the show, and then uh, I'll have to 
well, do my thing, and then unfortunately uh, we will be uh, closing out for uh, tonight. And unfortunately next week we won't be having the show, but uh, we'll be working on things Robert, to get it back going uh, say, after uh, I get back. Can I say something real Cindy? quick before I go? Um, to anybody sure, yeah. watching, uh, hearing this, uh, find out what a conservation easement is, what an agricultural easement is. Um, find out what the what they call the – look for things uh, – sustainable development goals, things that might be called smart growth, comprehensive plans, home grants, designated de- development areas, county challenge grant programs. You've you got to look for all those kinds of words in your, in your uh, county council meetings, your city council meetings, and get these people educated on what they're actually doing. They're, they're signing up for bad trouble with the AFFH. So get involved. Uh, Nick Finch, that's the name of him, Nick Finch. What'd you say, hon? The the sheriff is Nick Finch, Liberty County, Nick Finch. Oh, okay, okay. You just Google that up and you'll you'll find it. He defended Finch after his arrest and uh, reinstated him. So you can read, Google it. I'll try to find my article, but that... I'm. You didn't hear about that. You don't remember that. Oh yeah, I do. I definitely. Re- I definitely remember about it. Yeah, that was, well, we go ahead I was and, so mad. Okay. Well, we got to go ahead and bring it over to Kelly because uh, we got to give him the, the the few minutes and I'll have to close things out. Go ahead, Kelly. While we talk about the election fraud in California, we set up a system online declaration. What happened to you? It might make a difference regarding Trump in California. He's having an awful lot of new actually go different if we have our ducks in a row beforehand. Over to Hillary Clinton. She has got, no, not she, the gatekeep, the uh, kingmakers. The kingmakers have to get Hillary through three gates to become president. Number one, of course, is the Democratic Convention on the 25th. The second gate is the general election. And the third gate is when Congress approves of the votes from the Electoral College. And this could be a very interesting scenario because it's a form of impeachment. If they find too much corruption in the election, they can say her campaign was not legitimate, her Electoral Colleges are not legitimate because she cheated. So there's still hope that we may not have Hillary Clinton as the president. Three gates. Not as long so, as Ryan control. Well, that's another yeah. story. But, but anyway, I you know those <laughs> some growing thoughts. Enjoy this uh, next week or no, actually two weeks. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'll be uh, heading down uh, south. Uh, so looking forward to that. We'll see how far south goes. Uh, I have to actually. Get some things fixed on the car that I was unaware of until earlier this evening. Uh, some of which, frankly, I was taking care of uh, during the show, <laughs> working behind the scenes to try to get that together. So I appreciate it, Kelly. And so, and speaking of that, I hope you folks like the nine o'clock showing of Bard's Logic Political Talk because that may become a regular time when I come back. It's something I am going to experiment with. Uh, think about you know getting back. I know when the, the show first started, gosh, it's so long ago, I can't even quite remember what time uh, we started. Uh, and so, <laughs> uh, 
I think it might have been 8 o'clock and then change it to 9 and then change it to 10. Uh, but uh, I'm hoping we can bring it back to at least 9 o'clock. Uh, of course, I will kind of do a little bit against Bard's logic after dark because it quite won't be midnight uh, on uh, Eastern time. But what have you, it doesn't matter. So we are going to experiment a little bit with that, and we'll see. And uh, I will definitely be trying to work with uh, Jim behind the scenes uh, to try to get a hold of uh, Pat Buchanan again. Uh, to get him on the show, I think that'd be great. I'm also working on another person who's uh, definitely hard to get, but I'm still uh, working on it. So we'll see if we'll be able to get him uh, to promote his new book. It's about Hillary Clinton. It's called Armageddon, and that is actually by Dick Morris. Uh, but unfortunately, I have not been able to hear anything back. I'm sure he's very busy right now. Uh, but you know, you you can't get him on if you don't try. Uh, and you know, we that, we also uh, need to get. We also need to get in, char- in touch with Morton Blackwell again and make sure that he'll call in after the Rules Committee um, votes. Yes, definitely. No, I agree. And, he, and, he, and the last time we had Morton Blackwell on the show, he did agree uh, to uh, to come back on. Uh, so, yep. And also there were some topics he wanted to talk about. And if I can ever find my notes, uh, there's a, one of the presidents I think he wants to talk, uh, talk about and maybe have a, a specific show on that. Um, so I'll have to find my notes uh, that are buried under my desk here. But anyway, but speaking of uh, having people that you got to just go for uh, to get them on this show, and it's one of our first guests uh, that we had on, and that is Aubrey Ashburn, if you recall. Uh, I thought, oh, you know what, it would be kind of cool to get her on the show. And uh, so I did. And so yeah, he got, he, he we will be doing so He's just saying goodbye. Jim Connor, oh, everybody. Well, I yeah. I wish he hadn't gone okay. yet. I I wanted to ask him more about the Jim Trafficant thing. I never I didn't hear you know, he's been on this show. I, I can't believe yes. that guy that guy was killed and and we don't even nobody knows about it. Yeah, well the, 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 yeah, his death was uh his yeah, his death was it was it was ruled an accident, but it was kinda of like the guy who you know, was going to testify against Hillary Clinton, and somehow a weight got dropped on his on his uh, neck or his throat or something. Yeah, kind of like that. And uh, we could discuss yeah. more about that because uh, we did do a tribute show as well. So check out our archives where we did have Trafkane on the show uh, before, and we also had a um, kind of a farewell show for him as well, kind of a tribute show for uh, Trafkane as well. That's that's we found in our archives. But I do need to uh, go ahead and end the show as I do every night. And that is with the song by whom I mentioned earlier, and that's Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So thank you, everyone, for coming to the show, whether live or on the archives. And we'll tell you good night and take care, and we'll see you next time. Night. Night. Bye. Oh
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.